Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead. And I am Nathan from Nathan Does Beer. Yes, you are. And welcome to episode 133 of Beer the Podcast Adjunct Series. Nate, we're bringing it uh, close by, to, or close by to me at least this evening. Um, one of the, we haven't had that many breweries from Cambridge, Ontario, one, have we? It's been. Uh, we've had at least one. Uh, no, sorry. We've had, we've had two it's actually, because we, right. we had Barncat and Farm League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, for people who aren't aware, there's like the, an area called the Tri-Cities, which is, um, you know, Cambridge, Kitchener and uh, Waterloo, which is not too far from here in Hamilton, not too far from Toronto or London on the other side. And, you know, there's a lot of great beer happening in this whole region. And, uh, Cambridge in particular is, uh, you know, super well known for a fantastic beer scene. And this is a brewery that I've heard about uh primarily through or originally at least a few years back from uh, craig from craft branco so shouts to craig he's a, a legend and uh a big supporter of everything in the city and uh i'm really looking forward to i actually you know he hooked me up with a few of the beers which was great so i got to try them but it's been a couple years so uh i'm excited to get into all this obviously nate is uh is a fan with the hoodie right there holding it down but but, but yeah, that's right for those who are listening and not watching and don't realize that Nathaniel is wearing that hoodie that says wave make on it. Uh, all right, let's get it going. So everybody, please welcome Scott from wave make in Cambridge, Ontario. Hey, What's up, brother? Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Pleasure. Yeah, Looking forward to it. Uh, dude, thank you for hanging out. This is going to be great. I'm very excited. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We have a fantastic lineup of beers that you have hand-selected this evening. Um, where are we starting off, my man? For sure. Um, definitely our lager beer. Boom. One of my personal favorites. Hell yeah. There it is there. Nice, uh, beautiful German uh, countryside on the can there. Look at it. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this beer is wigging. Hell yeah. It's our uh, colorful label. Super cut. Is that on your shirt? That's your shirt right there, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm wearing a, a lot of it. Look at that. That's what, you, that's what you need. Sweet, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Tell us about this beer, dude. Yeah, man. It's, oh, it's, it's so good. It's. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, Frank, Franconian uh, uh, lager. So, um, you know, uh, unfiltered German lager, super easy drinking. Um, has some more character than a uh, has some more character than a uh, like a light lager kind of thing. Yeah, super easy drinking, light fruit notes. Um, you know, nice, nice bitterness there. Not too strong, not too weak. Just nice and firm. Super, super nice on a hot day. Uh, yeah. Takes you right into like a Bamberg like beer garden. You know, that is dope. Super yes, nice. I'm loving the unfiltered thing. It's uh, I always feel like. It's not as common with lagers. I want to take a sip before I ask you too many questions because I'm super curious about the specifics of this one. Um, the oh yeah, the so Frank yeah Franconi meaning Southern German okay as opposed to Bavarian so that is the difference there. Nate, are you ready to uh, cheers, my yeah, man? Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of like a, a small region around around Berenberg where they have the lagers are like kind of really distinctive. Gotcha. Yeah, really nice. Oh yeah, great nose. Nice and multi. Cheers, folks. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. So the oh, yeah. 
the unfiltered the that's a part that's like uh, specific to the, to the lager beer style specifically is that accurate for sure um okay. they um like i'm a i have a i'm german ancestry so you know i've kind of been growing up drinking german beer since i could like you know uh, uh, buy beer from the liquor store um even when i was uh just getting started it was just like i gotta go to the german stuff you know it's kind of like it's kind of like what how i kind of started and it's always near and dear to me to, and so if i ever thought hey if i ever do my own uh brewery i would love to our flagship to be a traditional uh german lager hell yeah yeah super good yeah man and they uh so i had a chance to go over there for a family wedding um in 2016 and i got a chance to meet some brewers over there and to talk shop and learn a lot about how they do it and Sick. I uh, have experience during brewing German lagers at other breweries I've worked for in the past. So um, kind of took the knowledge from, from that trip, plus like some previous experience to create what I think is a, a wicked example of, of, uh, of a German lager. Yeah. Fantastic. It's, it's great, bro. It's, um, it's got tons of flavor. It's got a nice multi sweetness yep. in there. Great little grassy bitterness to kind of balance it out very refreshing great carb it's 5.4 so like in the lager world i guess it's like you know just a touch higher than normal um but sure. super smooth goes down a treat i love it i always get a little confused with the different styles as far as like specifically the difference so this is great to kind of like clarify the lager beer one in, in comparison to other stuff so is there like a czech sure. version of a lager beer like an unfiltered you know, you know how they have like a Czech Hellas or a Czech Pilsner, a German Pilsner, and so on and so forth. That's maybe somewhat comparative. Is there anything else similar to this, or is this something all unto itself? For sure, uh, lager beer is kind of like one thing I learned on that trip is they kind of use it as like a catch-all kind of term right. for like it can include a color beer or like a Hellas, but like an unfiltered version. Mm. I also learned sometimes they call in that area they call a when they filter it, they call it a pilsner. When it's an unfiltered version, they call it lager beer. Hmm. So it's it's kind of almost like a like a catch-all category for the region, rather than like a uh, almost like a, a kind of like you know like when you got like a Dortmunder or that kind of thing. It's kind of like every, a bunch of breweries in this area brew like this type of style, kind of thing. Right. So it, it doesn't have to fit into a certain uh, parameter, I guess. Just they ferment it very similar, and they uh, um, you know treat they have similar processes from brewery to brewery. So it kind of just like a uh, captures the the area um, in flavor. Interesting. Yeah. So you wouldn't find a lager beer from a different part of Germany. Oh, you you totally could too. Yeah, for sure. It's kind for of sure. like. Uh, it's, it's maybe not as specific as like uh, let's say lambic or something like that, but it's it's something they really pride themselves there with it having. They usually ferment it really warm and uh, usually open, and the big big open square fermenters and that kind of thing. And uh, some of them even use still use cool ships to this day too, which is really cool. So having a chance to see German lager breweries using cool ships is something uh, not super common anymore. And uh, those kind of things, they kind of have their own certain way of doing it, which creates a lager with, with more character while still being uh, distinctive and yet kind of 
tastes like a delicious smooth lager. Yeah. I like it's pretty that. unique. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's it's definitely like uh, it's got a lot of unique flavors to it. Like the profile is super. Um, it's it's like it's it's interesting. It feels like it's kind of in between a bunch of stuff, which is why I was curious if to, if it's mm-hmm. like, and it also lager beer, like B I E R for those who haven't seen it before. Like it's it felt like like a, like you said like a catch all sort of thing where you just call it that, and it probably could be a little all encompassing. So. That's I've sure. I've seen it around, but I never really thought that much about what it actually could mean. So this is this is great. This is fascinating, dude. This is this is fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Is this yeah, a, a, a flagship sure. or anything like that? I, I imagine this would probably be quite a popular. For sure, yeah. yeah. We uh, we brew it year round. Um, we started brewing it maybe about six months or a year into the life of the brewery. Um, we started with like a North American style lager, which was really delicious too. But, uh, I was like, I, I kind of lean towards more, something more German just as being our, our mainstay. Um, but we still brew a, a light beer too. We do, uh, this year will be our second year in a row doing a light beer for the, for the summertime. So we, we get some requests and, and, uh, and I, I enjoy a good light beer once in a while too. So it's nice. Yeah. So we, we just, we still, it's kind of not, uh. That's the right way. Uh, lager beer is, is super approachable for anybody who would come into the brewery and find something. You know, it's it's got that history and that uh, that that craftiness to it. But if uh, you know somebody comes in and say, "Just I'm I'm interested in having a, something light," then you know they wouldn't be like upset getting it kind of thing. It kind of just no, not encompasses every yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, even the, the last summer, man, it was just such a hot summer and we just, we did a light beer with, uh, brothers brewing and in, in Guelph, we uh, did a collab where we both needed light beer at the same time. So we were like, ah, let's, let's do something. And it was delicious. And well, we're doing our own version this year and, uh, it should be out in a few weeks. So, um, we'll get that rocking and rolling too. Hell yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, That's the cool. lager beer is, it has that tradition and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems to be like this one's where uh, this one's where your heart is. Um, as as much as it is uh, like, as it is very like very smooth uh, again approachable, it's actually got uh, quite a bit of complexity to it. I mm. find um, like I'm getting like I'm getting a bit of sweetness, as C mentioned, like which you might uh, find similar similarly in a Hellas, although it's lighter considerably in body than a Hellas would be, and even also has. Um, I'm getting a bit like a bit of uh, citrus in there as well, which is kind of balancing out that sweetness and it uh, like, and it kind of helps to, to, to dry it out on the finish, which is, uh, which is quite nice. This is, this is really tasty. Yeah. Thank you. You definitely nailed it. It's um, it's a very unique beer. It's, it's, it's really hard. Like it's got complexities, but it's very straightforward. You know, um, uh, the beer ferments really dry but it still has like a residual kind of sweetness. That's not really like a sugar, like malt, I guess like the malt flavors there, but it's not like a malt it's like sweetness. Honey. It's honey. I'm getting. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's, 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 I think it's a, a mixture of our yeast strain that we use and um, our water chemistry. I think it's kind of like a combo of both of those things that kind of people are like, Ooh, it's got a little tiny little sweetness at the end, but it's, but in my mind, it just makes me laugh because the beer ferments super dry. So I think it's just kind of our 
our house character comes through a little bit in this one. That's sick. I love that. Oh, this is a great way to kick it off, bro. So first things first, let's get into your beer history, man. Like how did you personally get into craft beer and how did that lead to the, uh, the brewery? Uh, yeah. So, uh, I started drinking craft beer maybe in 2009, 2010, uh, maybe between 2008, 9, 10, something in there. I was uh, studying, uh, accounting at Brock university and then, uh, I just kind of fell in love with it and I just got obsessed and I was studying like how to make beer more than my accounting exams that I had coming up. (laughs) So I was just like, I think this is where my heart is, you know? And, uh, so I I finished, I graduated with my accounting degree and I was starting for the accounting tests. And then I just, uh, I left my job. I got into a brewing school in uh, Niagara and, uh, started, uh, started working at breweries, you know, part-time here and there while in school and then, you know, in summer breaks and that kind of thing. And then started working in the industry and I've worked at big breweries, small breweries and, um, you know, uh, well-funded breweries and more bootstrap kind of breweries and stuff. I've, I've kind of been done it all and, and seen a whole lot. And, you know, I had a chance to be a part of a couple startups as well, which, which was super helpful for when I kind of got a chance to see like how, different people approach like solutions to issues that can come up during creating a brewery and starting something from scratch. So le- learned from a lot of good people. Um, yeah, I was the head brewer at, uh, before Wavemaker, I was the head brewer at old flame brewing company in Port Perry. Sick. So, um, okay. Help them start up the brewery plus run uh, a little, um, uh, run the brewery for three and a half mm-hmm. years or so. And then I just, you know, I talked to the bank and said, Hey, I want to do it for myself. You know, I've, I've got this track record. I know what I'm doing and I want to like, you know, do it for myself. And, and, uh, yeah, that was 2017, you know, summer 2017. And then about a year and a half to get Waymaker rolling here in town. And I'm, uh, born and raised in Cambridge. So I, I grew up a couple blocks from where the, the brewery is located. So I was super lucky to find this building. It's it's uh, right nestled right into the community. It's right at the end of a residential street and in a very residential neighborhood. So we're we're super just like a little little pocket right there at the end of the street, you know. That's perfect. Particularly, I guess and, you probably know a lot of people in that area too that would be supportive and wanting to come out because you grew up there. One hundred percent, and that's something I didn't really. Um, anticipate when we were even building out the brewery and doing our thing you know just just even having friends come by family um family friends say like a friend of my dad comes in and goes hey i hear your beer is good i want to like, give it a try like having uh having a local community really rally behind you not just with family and friends but also like just people from the neighborhood excited to that oh my god like a brewery's coming in this building this is so sweet so we had people like knocking on our door and, and all this kind of stuff like every day when we were building up the brewery and people showing support and excitement and, and all of them still come to the brewery today, you know. It's, uh, as, as we all know, the uh, breweries are very community-based businesses for sure. We're community hubs and support uh, over um, community space for, for everyone. So it's, it's so great to see it, have everybody come out and, and, and love good beer, man. Hell yeah. That's dope, man. Yeah. So 
2017 was when you opened. No, you said it took uh, a year and a half. So it would have been sometime in 2018 of uh, where they actually, I guess, April. Yeah, we opened in March of 2019. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. St. Patty's Day weekend, too, which was sweet. That's convenient. Yeah. Yeah. So it was about a year and a half for the, the build out process. Um, uh, you know, uh, our building is, is, is an older building, too. So we had to. Uh, bring some things up to code and uh like we put in new electrical uh new plumbing um washrooms you know like we had put in an accessibility washroom in uh, the accessibility doorway needs to be a little wider and an emergency exit that was previously there but then they kind of needed an upgrade and these kind of things like we didn't really anticipate when we were finding the building and get rolling and then uh well we started working with an engineer and an architect to kind of uh, capture the scope of what we needed to do and then um, work with the city of Cambridge who were very helpful throughout the process to bring an older building kind of back to life, I suppose. Um, That's great. It's, uh, the building's from the 1940s. So, uh, and it's been a variety of things. Uh, the city of Cambridge um, became a city in the sixties. So um, history of this building didn't really exist in like the city um, archives, I suppose. So <laughs> they were like, okay, we, we know this is here because we can see it on like the satellite imaging and stuff. And like some of the zoning and stuff was, 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 was visible, but, um, it was, it's just a little, little hazy from the city point of view. So they were thinking like, is this a house? Like, were you trying to do this in a house? Like, no, no, no. It's, it's a completely standalone building, but it's in a residential neighborhood. So it was just little things like that, that came up throughout the process that kind of, put us back uh, some months, but it all worked out and uh, the city was very supportive and helpful throughout the whole process. That's great. Yeah. I've heard that can be the worst part, all the zoning and the permits and uh, just nightmare. So that's, that's great. Yeah. That red red tape is real, man, for sure. Like you got to check all the boxes and make sure everything is, is, is packaged up nice and exactly, you know, kind of how they need to do their, their, their scope of their work. So, as long as you, any, anybody out there, just a, a little tip is, is get an architect on board really early. Um, we worked with an engineering firm, which was great, but, uh, there were some like architect kind of things that were missing from our application that they, they needed to see. So anybody listening who wants to start their own place, um, hire an architect and just make sure all your, you know, T's are crossed and I's are dotted before you start. Good advice. Very, very good advice. Where, where did the building exist? Like, what was the area? Was it like one of the other nearby cities or something? Like, what was it? If it wasn't Cambridge, um, oh, it's it was in Cambridge, but Cambridge is made of uh, three small towns put together, oh. so they kind of amalgamated in the sixties. And so okay. during that process, like some of the really older buildings that have been around for a long time didn't quite, you know. Uh, that didn't really have anybody applying for permits for kind of thing. Like, you know, they didn't have any reason to look, but when we were like, Hey, we, we want to do like, you know, this incomplete overhaul of this building. They were like, okay, well, we don't have any record of, uh, no, no floor plan, none of that stuff. So we had no idea. Like we know the building's there, but we don't know like how it's what's inside. Like what are the walls? Like what's the fire rating of this wall? Those kind of like things. Wow. So we, we had to do the whole, the whole thing from, from scratch there, but, uh, it, it all worked out. And, uh, um, so yeah, the, uh, yeah, the really old, the old and Cambridge and is the three small towns have really historic 
town centers. So um, uh, it's it's cool just to the, to have that you know the old uh, the old parts of town, but uh, doing like new new things like such as craft brewing in well, brewing's really old, but the, the you know have a tap room as well in a manufacturing space can sometimes cause like you know the, the different zoning confusions that kind of thing of like well are you a bar or are you uh, manufacturing like those kind of things so you you kind of have to convince or talk it through with um, um, people with with the city to see like how you know to approach your project kind of thing gotcha interesting you think that would kind of be figured out by now with so many breweries around with all the different cities but uh yeah maybe not interesting yeah well you, you were saying earlier about the, the tri-cities and and kitchener waterloo cambridge has a lot of of great breweries in it and uh it the, the region is yeah for sure I, I saw you had farm league on a few weeks ago and um and they're they're a new addition to the town which is great and uh so yeah there's a lot of great breweries in in the area and everybody's and one thing that's great about cambridge too is every brewery that's in town has is completely unique from the next one um everybody's got their own vibe their own focus their own uh, approach to uh what they're doing and it's it's really great to to have such a wide uh, variety and, and diverse uh, range of breweries that you know exist in the area, so everybody's bringing their own approach and their own philosophy to brewing and, and that kind of thing. So it's really cool to see everybody kind of grow together and, and have their own approach to everything. So, oh really yeah, cool. love it. That's so cool. then, yeah, man, Cambridge seems it's really like it's it's popping right now. So at, in twenty nineteen, um, you said that it was you opened. What what did that landscape look like? Like how many breweries were in the city? Mm, that's a good question. Um, uh, there was two or three when we started. I think uh, okay. Forefathers was there. I think Barncat was there. Um, Grand River was where the farm farm league is now. Jack um, is probably there. That's right. I think they opened six months or a year before we did too. So yeah, Jack House was there too. Mm-hmm. So that's how I met four or five there. Yeah, with us and there. Okay. And then um, yeah, there's been a few others too that have come on board afterwards as well. So it's um, it's great to to have everybody uh, you know doing their thing. And I guess they all welcomed you, you know, as breweries tend to do. Everyone was super welcoming, and there's a nice little kind of like camaraderie in the city. For sure, and especially at our opening time, we had everybody at the bar was like another brewer from the area. So, like our first right. opening weekend, we had like just brewers in the space. It was super cool to like have everybody welcome us and and uh, welcome us to the to the the community, and and it's it was awesome. And, and I've. I'm, yeah, that's great. Like I've kind of brewed around Ontario, so like kind of coming back home and and doing it, doing starting a brewery here in the neighborhood I grew up, you know, has its own um, value there for me. And then seeing all kinds of people from the industry coming into the brewery to welcome us open was was really rewarding, for Love sure. It. That's sick, man. Yeah. That's cool. That's so great. when you opened on, oh, you go first, Nate. You go. I've been yapping. No, oh, I was just going to say on that note, just keeping an eye on the time, we should probably crack the next beer as we uh, like as we continue on there. I like sure. it. We're doing a bunch tonight, folks. So uh, this is up to you, Scotty. It's up to you, mate. You tell us what we're doing. Yeah. You're in charge. Well, let's let's mix it up. Let's do the anomalous saison. 
this one is nice. This one's Hell really yeah. fun. All right. Got this like on. alien spaceship theme thing to it. Hell yeah. Super good. And, uh, of- we, yeah, this, tell us about it. This this beer has a pretty fun history too. We we brewed this beer I think we brewed it in April or May our first year. Mm-hmm. Too. We uh, did a we did a traditional Belgian saison um, and we did a separate batch of a hoppy saison that we called anomalous which was uh, kind of like an alien themed thing. And then uh, so it was it was basically like an IPA with saison yeast so it was mm. super hoppy. It had uh, Sriracha Ace in it too, so it had like a little bit of like a dill character going on. Hell yeah! It was it was a really unique, really unique beer. It was more IPA like than saison like. Um, and then so for since 2019, last year we brewed this beer. So from 2019 to 2022, we didn't didn't brew it. And then I was just craving a saison. I just haven't <laughs> you know had one in a, a good one in a while. So I was like, I just got to make one. So we brewed this one as a kind of a revamped recipe where it is a traditional Saison base that we dry hop with Motueka hops from New Zealand mm-hmm. and super, um, uh, super orangey, like just a lot of orange and, and zest character comes through super easy drinking, smooth, um, yeah, a lot of tropical yeah. fruit notes in there. Yeah, big nose. Motec is a good choice uh, for a for a dry hop for this. Yeah, and this year is is actually um I th- I like this year's batch better than last year's. Um, last different? year's was was great, but it had a little, some grassy notes going on too, which 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 is delicious too. But uh, um, the, the fruit comes through way more this year, and it's it's got it's complex yet simple, kind of kind of thing similar to the lager beer where it has that kind of subtleties and just like the nuance in there it's just it's unique too for sure hell yeah, yeah i've been i've been well, drinking it a lot lately <laughs> i can i can i'm excited to try it let's go guys cheers yeah, cheers. cheers yeah oh yeah oh man that moteca works super well i'm getting so much lime out of this mm, for sure yeah. definitely lime too yeah Mm. absolutely it's i feel just, like it's, it's super cool like, yeah wow sorry? fascinating i was gonna say you you mentioned orange i feel like i got the orange more on the nose and then the sip it starts orange and then just moves into this lime which i've heard yep. is um was moteca the the hop that changes depending if you get the early or late harvest was, was that the one I, th- I think it is i yeah. think it is that's the, the catch like, like that that's the one where we've seen uh, uh like the um yeah, uh, like the catch did uh, Captain Early and Captain Late, uh, like which was two different beers. Use uh, like one using uh, early season Moteca and uh, like and one using late season. Uh, like season Moteca actually yeah, have cool. some I, I... No- notable differences in flavor. Um, but yeah, talking talking about this one though, the saison mm-hmm. character is definitely uh, like is definitely um, or like is definitely there. I was getting big bubble gum on the nose and uh like and that's coming through on the like on the palate as well um i do definitely get the orange too i'm all like i also had pineapple on the nose i don't know if uh, like if either of you guys had that hmm. for sure yep. now yeah you say it. it's um yeah yeah, yeah. i've never wow. even noticed that before it's definitely yeah the pineapple um, lime. Wow. the yeast we use is uh, 
the the yeast we use is is a um it's not like a, a, a DuPont kind of Saison kind of thing where it has that's like spicy and pepper forward, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. I definitely love and, and, and absolutely adore those, those Saisons as well. Um, these, this particular one is kind of more of like the fruity and bubblegum, uh, excuse me, bubblegum side, I guess. So like, I think that with the, the, the hops combined to be this really unique beer for sure. Yeah. And, uh, um, but yeah, the, the spicy kind of saison kind of character is is very minimal in this one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes um, I like saisons. I, I don't drink them a ton. I, like I find often they're quite phenolic, and I don't really like the. It's not the bubble gum. It's like when it starts to become like clovey and banana. But this is like, this is like such a great combination. Like you said, like you can tell it's a saison, but it's so IPA forward i guess the these there's so much more many more tropical notes in this beer than a typical saison would and i don't even really think that i've seen that many dry hop saisons period i don't know if you guys have seen many of that style it's um it's definitely not a super popular style um it's very it's I, I guess it would say it's very niche, I suppose, and in an already niche kind of category. Mm. Um, I, I've had a lot of I've had some great ones for sure, um, uh, but it's it's not very common. It's it's something that we kind of just just decided to do something that was a little different. Plus, kind of matches the name and the branding and stuff about how it just being completely out there and and it and it's kind of something that I didn't really think was going to be a big hit. It might just be like a part of our taproom board and people will come in and have some, but it might not have like a huge following. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, since last year, since we launched with the, the new branding and stuff, it's it's really, really popular. And people ask me for it all year round. And huh. I just like, you got to wait till the spring. You, you got to wait till the spring. That's when we're going to do it. So it's, it's really grown to be a kind of a unique thing for us. Um, so we definitely going to keep it up every year and, uh, and we're a little little late with it this year. Um, uh, usually we do it in April, but it came out in May this year. So it might even last us all summer long. So uh, especially like, if it's tasting like this, it's going to be perfect for the patio for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, definitely. You always find uh, – I was in Montreal for a decade. So coming back to Ontario, I found you – know, obviously in, in Quebec, there's saisons, you know, you can't, you know, turn around without bumping into one type of thing. Whereas out here, it seems quite few and far between. So I feel like – this will probably scrap whatever if i see one i'm like oh the the saison fans are going to be it's not like they have a lot of options so i feel like you know they can gravitate towards that and it definitely scratches an itch for um a niche group of people whilst also would probably open the minds of a lot of people particularly one like this that's like super approachable and it doesn't have a lot of the things so the things that i personally don't like in a lot of saisons this doesn't have any of those things so i feel like potentially the things that i don't like might be off-putting for some newer drinkers to the style so this would be a great introduction to it because it's a little like you said anomalous it's a little different than a typical saison but it's super interesting and if they can get into it in the summer mate oh i can see this being a banger love it 100 percent. yeah it's it's something that you know i just kind of just it's just a really fun beer it's just looking at it tasting it it's just completely unique on its own super fun um, definitely i've definitely been enjoying it since we released it especially this year it's just it's it's on its own level for sure it's, it's way good. it's very cool man so when you open 2019 
What, uh, I guess, two-part question. One was, which beers or styles did you open with, if you remember? And two, when you were going into the brewery, what were your intentions? Like, what were you looking to do? What, you know, like, you know, some breweries, we do haze, we do lagers. Like, you know, was there a, uh, a, a mission or sort of like, we are going to, you know, fit this little box or make this type of stuff? Yeah, like uh, it's a great question. Um, I went in with like a really broad, you know, kind of approach where I know it might sound kind of, uh, it's kind of like, I kind of brew what I feel like, I guess. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's kind of like, I want to do something completely unique and off the wall. And other times I want to brew like another beer we have here, Amber Ale, right? Just something straight up, delicious pub, pub kind of beer. You just want to have some of this while you, you, you know, you're just chilling out. You know, um, so when we opened it, I kind of just wanted to do, you know, our own thing where I don't feel like, I don't really like getting put in a box, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, I kind of want to just brew what I think is dope. And like, sometimes that's a dry hop saison and sometimes that's a, you know, super big hoppy double IPA. And and then literally the next beer we come out with is a, filtered light beer four percent like you know what i mean like that kind of thing i i just didn't well my my approach to brewing and my personal philosophy is is just every beer kind of stands on its own and has its own story and its own um uh, reason why we think it's cool so uh, you know some sometimes it's it's something super uh, super artisanal and other times it's something you know, something smooth, easy drinking, because you just want to, you know, have a couple pints and, and hang out or golf or, you know, chill out in the pub or whatever it is, you know. So um, when we opened, our first beer was a, a Hellerbach, uh, 6.7% um, called First Brew. Um, it was a very difficult first brew for sure. Um, even even with all the experience that I brought to the table and we you know as every everybody knows when you're putting a new system online there's always going to be some quirks and things wired differently or whatever the reason is that can happen where your first first brew coming out can be a little weird um our flow meters were not dialed in so i thought i had you know uh more work in the kettle than i actually did so we had to adjust that after the fact, but then our first beer came out 6.7%. So it was like a really, really long brew day. It was way late into the early morning. Uh, we started at like nine in the morning and we went to like three or four in the morning the next day. Jeez. Just, it was a really oh, difficult wow. brew. And, but the, yeah, the, the beer turned out wicked. It was so delicious. It just kind of was a delicious uh, beer. And then so when we opened our doors, we opened with, um, well, it was St. Patty's Day weekend, so we had a like an Irish themed stout. Um, but uh, that also was there was also some issues that came up with that one. It was it was a good beer, but it was a uh, you know obviously wasn't wasn't the, the what, what I was what I was hoping. But uh, took us a few a few turns of the brew house to kind of dial everything in and and uh, had some of the contractors come back to fix a few things that weren't were working 100 percent when we were starting. And then once we hit that, I was like, okay, we got to brew something hoppy now, you know. We, I wanted to kind of make sure everything was was dialed in and everything was working right before we jumped into the, you know, uh, New England IPAs and all that kind of stuff was still kind of new at that time too. Yeah. So 
it was it was definitely popular in the states and it was gaining more popularity here but so what i wanted to do is make sure we really had our, our process down and we knew like kind of everything would be amazing when we launched with one we brewed a it was called heart of a lion super easy drinking hoppy 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 uh pale ale so a new england pale ale super delicious and then uh, out of i didn't know how it would turn out because it's my first time you know dry hopping in a certain way and a first time like doing new england stuff of in 2017 before that i was mostly just doing like west coast ipas and stuff were really popular so when first time doing that kind of thing was was at the brewery here and it was absolutely stellar beer and i was like okay like if the, all right hoppy beers are going to be this good we got to brew more of these for sure oh yeah so we just been hitting the new england ipas ever since and we do the odd west coast now and then um you know we kind of i kind of get the craving for that resin like everybody else so sometimes yeah. we uh um do that kind of thing but most of the most of the beers we do are new england style juicy hazy um uh, New England stuff. So um, we kind of just brew what we feel like. And, and sometimes that's something wicked and off the charts and other times it's something super simple. And, and we kind of just, if I think it's interesting, you know, and it's something I've always wanted to try or something I've always really enjoyed and, you know, that kind of thing. I'd love to try my hat at it, you know? Sick. I imagine the, uh, mm -hmm. that I was thinking uh, that it probably would have been a lot of haze. I feel like Cambridge was sort of, like I was about to say known for haze, maybe that's not even fair, but maybe the the drinkers in the region were warmed up to the style, like you said. 2019, it had been around for two to three years in Ontario, but very slowly, like it was a slow rollout. Um, but by that and, stage, well, and, and and then in particular, like particularly in Ontario, with uh, with Barncat be like being the forerunners of the, the, the like of that in the province, it. Uh, yeah, like the, the region definitely would have been uh, like would have been hungry for it. Uh, like by the time you guys opened, uh, like would be my impression. For sure, yeah. Like it was, it was great to have um, customers coming in and and wanting to experience our interpretations and and our approach to kind of how we thought, you know, the kind of uh, or what what we could do, I guess, in that category. Um, so, you know, we definitely have, um, uh, um, people in the region were, were just hungry and thirsty for this stuff. And I, I absolutely love it too. And, and I'm glad that we brew some really delicious versions and its own, and our kind of approach can be, you know, uh, and the, our approach to brewing can sometimes make just pure juice bombs for sure. Just like absolutely just explode with juiciness coming right out of the can, which is awesome. So that's something, uh, again, when we were building up the brew house, I wasn't too sure like exactly how to, or uh, I kind of had the theory down, but then I was uh, bought the equipment and kind of put it together in a certain way that I thought would have get good results. And so when we started getting really amazing results coming from our first few brews, we were like, wow, this is, this is wicked. So like, we just kind of been, I've been learning and tweaking since 2019 and every time we brew one, which we always have one around. So we, usually one or two so usually we've got like a pale ale and an ipa or a ipa and a double ipa kind of thing so um we always try to keep one around so we brew them maybe once a month kind of thing so like basically every month i'm kind of like making it better and making it better and kind of what did i like about the last one what didn't i like and what would i change 
and we're using these hops now. So that's how did that, how does that change and all that kind of stuff. So hmm. it's always fun trying something new. Yeah, for sure. On that note with the new stuff, you know, obviously there's a lot of pressure, I guess, on breweries, you know, to always what's new, what's new, you know, for the untapped crowd or just, you know, people are always looking for the new. What's your like approach to that, whether it's New England's or otherwise, like do you have, you obviously you got the Lager beer, which is from what it sounds of it's year round. And then, yeah, the, yep. the log, we keep three beers year round. Okay. Um, the lager beer, um, Orion Amber Ale is pretty much year round. Um, there might be like a month or something that we don't have it because of like production scheduling and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's pretty much a year round beer. And, uh, that's just by like popular demand too. Like if, if we don't have it, people let me know, Hey, <laughs> where's the Amber? You're out of Amber now. <laughs> You gotta get that going again. So it's it's That's a popular hilarious. beer too in its own in its own right. So uh, we we try to keep that around year round now. And uh, our Oath Stout, which I don't think I sent you guys, but uh, we have a uh, I might have a can kick around here. It's like a heavy metal themed uh, stout that we've been doing since the beginning too. And um, it's a uh, yeah super uh, easy drinking stout too. It's, it's we keep that one year round and and we've got people even drinking drinking stout on the patio in the summertime kind of thing so right. we um and we got some accounts we serve uh we serve it on nitro at the brewery as well as a carbonated version in the can and on tap and we have a few pubs that sell the the nitro version um around That's town nice that uh, uh keep it year round so we we keep the oast out year round too smart yeah so then for the other stuff, say for the haze, with regard to that, do you do like, do you have a few different brands that you do in rotation or every single time you do an IPA, is it brand spanking new? Like what's the approach there? Most of the time, uh, most of the time we come up with something brand new. Um, we've, we have revisited some of the classics that we've done. Uh, we've done one with uh, Citra and Mosaic Pops called Electric Wind. And we've done that a few times. Hey, here's the stuff. Thanks. <laughs> My wife just handed me the stuff. Oh, look at that. It's like this, like, oh, that's hectic for sure. I don't know if I can say, yeah, it's oh, like yeah, super, stuff. like heavy metal, like tool inspired, you know, thing. That's a cool can. Um, but all right, yeah, the the IPAs are like, you know, uh, we 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 kind of want to do a new thing every time and just try new combos, try new fun t- techniques and stuff and fun, you know, things going on with the beers. But uh, most of the time, we do something new. But sometimes we throw back to, um, you know, it also depends on like what hops I can get and what I have on hand. And I feel like kind of throwing it, I'm like, yeah, that beer is a good beer, man. We're going to make that one again. And I just do it, you know. Sick. And the, um, I guess leading up to the next beer would be uh, these Tropics beers we brewed for our fourth anniversary. Yeah. We had four completely separate batches. So they were like, for us, it was definitely an ambitious project. Um, having four IPAs, uh, for us at one time was, is a, is, is a lot. Um, you know, uh, our batch sizes are, um, we do, uh, 15 barrel, um, brew, brew, uh, brews and our tanks are double the size too. So we can put one or two, uh, batches mm. into a tank. So, mm. uh, for us, uh, we had, uh, you know, 60 barrels of, IPA at one time. So that was, that's definitely a lot for, for us. And, uh, but it was so worth it. And it was, uh, it was a lot of work, you know, we were, it's a lot of long hours and a very short period of time, you know, all the dry hopping and all the 
the brewing and the processing and canning and kegging of four separate big IPA batches for us was like super intensive, like uh, two months straight of just the brewery smelling like IPA, which is, which is great. Um, but it was a lot of work and I was, I was exhausted by the anniversary party. I was so tired, just the amount of work it took, <laughs> uh, but it was so worth it. And so we did four separate batches, but the, we put one IPA with no fruit and then we did a, a grapefruit, blood orange and peach, um, purees to each of the separate fermentations to create, uh, its own unique spin on it. And, uh, yeah, they, they turned out wicked for sure. And, uh, so these came out at the end of March. So they are a little, uh, they're still tasting great. Um, but, uh, they have a little bit of age on them now, but, uh, they're still tasting great. We still, we'll get the idea. Should we move on to get started with those? Nate? Yeah. Well, time. Since, Might as we've, well, right? since we've teased them, since we've teased them so much now, we should crack, <laughs> we should crack into one, uh, which, uh, which fruit sure, do you sure. reckon we should uh, crack open first? Ooh. It's kind of fun to see like how people have like enjoyed them and and like I ask everybody who orders like which one do you like the best like if people have a flight you know I'd be like which one do you like and some people are like oh, I like this one or I like this one um, my own personal take is I think the peach is my favorite of the four um, I think the peach uh, puree we used was the most flavorful and aromatic fruit of mm. when we were you know, adding the puree to the beer, we were like, I was like just exploding with the, the flavor and the aroma and the brewery just smelled like peaches. It was huge. Um, but the best, if I was going to say the best quality one, I think the blood orange is the best, like of the four, mm-hmm. even though I think I like the, the peach better. I think the blood orange, like quality was just, it's top notch. Okay. And on tap at the brewery, the grapefruit is the most popular. So it was kind of hmm. like, huh. <laughs> it was kind of all over the map of like what everybody thinks about it, I guess. I'm fascinated um, with these. Why don't we do, why don't we do the, the blood orange? Blood orange. Let's go. All right, let's do it. This, whoa. this is a super, uh, when I saw these, I was like, oh, God damn. Like this is like, uh, of course, as you described it, it was a massive undertaking, uh, which is obvious, but the idea um, just before we sort of get into it, where did the idea come from to do three? I've never seen anything like this before, as far as like, you know, a same base times four, three fruited, one not. Like, that's pretty unique. And fruited IPAs in and of themselves, I don't even think I, excuse me, see uh, a ton of those around as well. Like, what's the, what's the deal? Yeah, they're, they're, they're not as popular as even before you'd see the odd grapefruit IPA or something like that on tap. Yes. It wasn't, it's, yep. you know, it wasn't even like, I haven't seen them in a long time. And I was like, why it happened to those? And I know for sure from a brewer's perspective, it's, it's just, I know what happened for sure. It's just, they're really expensive to make, you know, we're using a lot of expensive hops and expensive fruit. And especially now with like inflation and everybody like, you know, tightening belts and stuff. So it's like, you know, uh, nobody really expects you to do it. And I think that's kind of what drove me to do it was that, you know, it's our fourth anniversary and doing four different bat, four different beers was something I thought would be a fun idea. And then, <laughs> um, I haven't seen anything like this in a long time. And, and I'd love to just have something like that again. And, and especially with the new England style too, already being super juicy, I thought it would just add like a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, I thought it would yeah, like be a unique, nuance yeah, and, depth. and yeah. we did like a, 
for sure. And we did a, a four pack at the brewery. So like I, I kind of pictured people coming in for the anniversary party and kind of like grabbing a four pack for home kind of thing. So I thought that could be four separate beers, but have it be a similar theme mm-hmm. uh, could be a cool approach yeah. to um, cool approach to the anniversary uh, this year. Definitely. Yeah, man. Super unique. It's uh, a, yeah. it, it, it's got, uh, like, it's got a gorgeous pour, like really, like yeah. really, really nice thick haze. Um, and, uh, and like, you know, for, for a couple of months on like appearance wise, it's lo- like, it's looking pretty good. Um, so, am, so am I right that, uh, like all four beers, including the base, it's that like, it's the exact same IPA, the only difference being the hops. So like right down to the hop bill, Azaka, El Dorado, Mosaic, that's the same throughout all of them. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So yeah, we did, yeah, the four separate brews, but we did the same a recipe, same hopping, same dry hopping techniques, same temperatures, same like amounts, those kind of, those kind of things. The only real differences would be uh, the fruit added. And it was actually kind of fun. I've never really brewed, you know, the same, excuse me, this the same IPA recipe four times in a row. So that was kind of by the fourth one, I was like, this is like, you know, it's just kind of like a routine almost. Like it was just kind of, kind of fun to just kind of try something like a production wise that was kind of similar like that and kind of seeing how the individual fermentations reacted with the different fruits and how that would, you know, work out. And, uh, you know, they, they all turned out like awesome. Hell yeah. And uh, super thick head on them and, uh, it's just pure juice for sure. Yeah, big low bitterness. Um, yeah, boys, cheers, cheers, cheers. Have a taste. Okay, that's sitting nice, bro. Yeah, for sure. What am I getting here? It's got it's and got a nice chalky. Being... I love the chalkiness. Mm. Mm. One hundred percent. It's like super nice, mm. man. It's just like, yeah, just the beautiful haze to it, the the thick head, the lacing, um, uh, just uh, the low bitterness, the, the juiciness comes through a lot, um, and especially it being like some of these we and for the anniversary party too, we um, we started releasing them at the beginning of March too. So we've kind of had we were releasing kind of one a week throughout March. Mm. So it, I think it went grapefruit, blood orange, then peach. So the peach would be the latest one, but I had a grapefruit last night as I was, I did a brew last night and I was squeezing the floor down and opened a grapefruit can. It was, it's just tasting wicked, man. It still tastes great. And, uh, especially when it was fresh though, it was, it was really just exploding of, uh, of that fruit mm-hmm. flavor. And especially with, with IPAs, after you package them, it usually needs about a week to kind of rejig itself and to kind of really, you know, kind of uh, really start to shine. Mm-hmm. And so when we first packaged and it was kind of like the fruit flavor was there, but it wasn't like super pronounced. So even, even as it was going on and then once the anniversary party hit, like all the beers were just, just prime exploding right out of the glass. So it was, it was super, super fun to, to see how they, to see how like after like, say, you know, three weeks in, like how did the fruit flavor just started to really, really uh explode out of the glass very cool mm. um 
Go on. So I, I got a question about uh, like about how. So when you're when you're lining up uh, beers that are going to get three different fruits added to them for uh, the, like for three different beers, how did the thought process go to land on, like to land on this hop combo? Because um, I imagine you need to think a little bit about how that like how the flavors uh, like of the hops are going like are going to work with the fruits that you're adding. And when you're adding three different fruits, you need to like think about how they're adding in different ways. Uh, can you talk about how you landed on that hop combo? For sure. It was, um, it was kind of, kind of fun where I was just like, should they be separate hot bills that complement that fruit really well? Or should it be all the same with the different fruits? So like, what do we want to highlight? Kind of was the way I was thinking about it where, you know, we could highlight that fruit or we could see like how it changes. And I eventually landed on to see like, how does it, how does it, how does the different fruit change the beer rather than doing something to emphasize that specific fruit? So I think both approaches would have been cool, but uh, I kind of thought doing the same recipe uh, four times with different fruits would be a cool idea. Yeah. Um, in regards to the, the hop combo, um, it's just, I've used all three of these hops before, uh, Mosaic being a, a personal favorite of mine. Um, we've used a Zaka too in the past. Eldorado we've used once. We actually did a grapefruit IPA a few years ago that had Eldorado and I think, oh man, what was it? Um, might have been Idaho 7. I can't recall what it was, but two super grapefruity kind of hops. So mm-hmm. uh, we did one, uh, yeah, I did that a few years ago. And then, um, so I kind of took, kind of kept that in the back of my mind. It was super good beer. And so I was, um, uh, I was like, well, that's kind of where the inspiration came from, like seeing the different fruits and stuff. And I already knew Eldorado would add a unique kind of dimension to it. Um, and Mosaic and Azak are really kind of, they're all really unique hops in their own way. They play together super nice here. Um, yeah, so it was, it's kind of, uh, and uh yeah, I just was like literally going through a list of hops. I'm like, what do I know as being super tropical hops? And uh, with the tropics being the, the name of the beer and the, the theme and then, the, you know, um, you know, the island you could see going on here with the different, you know, the different fruits and stuff on an island theme kind of beer. I was like, mm. once uh, our artist uh, presented the labels to us as like what they look like and how they feel. I was like, okay, it's like super tropical theme. What are the tropical hops that I know would be super unique and, and to, to contribute a lot of unique tropical flavor without being just kind of like a, I, I love the citra mosaic combo. It's like one of my favorites and it's super popular, but, uh, um, I wanted to see which, uh, I kind of wanted to do something a little different. I kept the mosaic in there, but I wanted to try a few different other tropical ones too. That makes sense. Yeah, um, no, that's really cool. You can't go wrong with the citra mosaic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, uh, El Dorado is, it's got a nice little dankness in there as well that kind of goes well with the citrus. And I know that this is the citrus one. The other two, well, grapefruit is. And like peach, I'm actually very curious to see how it interacts with that. Um, were you surprised with the way that the hops interacted with the different fruits? Like, did, was there any like, oh shit, like, you know, there was some sort of fascinating like result from any of them that you didn't expect? For sure, and you you mentioned the uh, the dankiness from Eldorado adds a little dimension there. We did the the first batch was tropics with no fruit, mm-hmm. 
and it was uh it has a lot of those more um it's still really tropical tasting but um the el dorado shines through a little more in that batch which i think is pretty cool yeah that was really surprising for me um i really liked um yeah they kind of just they're all kind of really unique beers even though they're like the same base recipe so like the fruit contributed a lot of uniqueness on its own um so that's what really surprised me is like how distinctive they are in the four Mm-hmm. So w- say you work uh, someone who came in and grabbed a four pack and took it home. They're, they don't all kind of taste the same. They definitely stand on their own. They're, they're definitely similar, but uh, it's, it's cool to see how distinctive they are. And maybe we can open another one. We can see like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super curious. Yeah. Let's do uh, it. What do you reckon? How about peach? Let's go. Yeah. Peach is one of my favorite nice. fruits in beer period. So this was the one that, I assumed I would like the most. Um, on on the question, sort of Nate Absolutely. asked about the hops. Um, I got the same question, but about the fruits. What led you to you know blood orange, peach, and grapefruit? Oh yeah, I didn't show the the can. For sure, I'm I'm a big fan fan of uh, a peach and beer as well. So I knew that one was going to happen for sure. And we've used this uh, peach puree in a, a peach fruit beer uh, we did a few years ago as well. So I knew the puree was already good, and I already knew it was going to create a unique uh, beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew peach was going to be for sure. Um, the grapefruit and blood orange. A friend of mine just said, I love blood orange, man. You should make one of those. That should be one of the fruits. And I said, okay, dope. Done. Done. <laughs> so I think it was just like a recommendation from a friend. And I was like, okay, dope. Sounds good. I, I looked on my list. I'm like, yep, they have it. I'll, gra- I'll grab it. No problem. Let's go. And then uh, the grapefruit was, was one that we've done in the past that I knew was good. Um, I found that the grapefruit puree that we used this time around, it was the same brand, but I felt like it was a little... Uh, uh, I found that the grapefruit was the least bold in the fruit flavor. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, it's, it's still a great beer, but I think the hops and the IPA shine through a little more in that beer. Okay. Um, Interesting. So choosing those, yeah, like I knew it was good quality, but uh, this time around the, the puree smelled and tasted a little less uh, aggressive than a few years ago. Okay. Um, so it was it's it's great but it was just um you know the less the least aromatic i guess out of, out of the three that we used kind of sounds about right but i always think grapefruit's pretty like aggressive but then again you mostly see it i feel like you like you know the it's it's competing against some pretty you know you know top notch hops right there that it's got to cut through so it's uh i'm curious to see how that goes in comparison so peach gentlemen cheers Here. cheers Twins on the glass, Nate. Oh yeah, just to Hayes House. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh man, Peach is the best. This works so well, man. Oh, that's awesome. For mm. sure. So they're yeah, all six point two percent. Yeah, the um, the fruit ones all turn out at six point two. Mm-hmm. Um, the tropics was six three, so very very minor minor uh, difference. Gotcha. But um, yeah, six two. Um, I wanted something a little, you know, on the lighter end of the range too for these, just so then 
the alcohol, if any alcohol flavor did, did come through, I wanted it to really be about, you know, the fruit and the hops kind of shining through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I kind of leaned to the lighter end of the range and I kind of just let it do its thing. It was that first batch. I was just, it was a new recipe, kind of trying something new and seeing like how, you know, it all worked out. So I was like, okay, it'll be in that lighter end of the range. Perfect. So kind of just kept that going for the rest of them. Mm-hmm. That's money. Uh, Nate and I always say like, actually, no, I can't speak for you, Nate, but my personal favorite uh, range is between six and seven for IPAs. It's just, uh, I feel like you can have a few of them without getting too lit. And they've got often, if they're made right, they have, they're damn near just as punchy as an eight percenter. I just feel like it's the, for it's sure. the zone. Definitely agree. Particularly yeah, for I mean, this. I mean, you're, you know, this is like a clearly obviously an anniversary. It's a fun thing, which is the best part about brewery anniversaries. They're always fun. And the, you know, look at the cans. It's bright. It's tropical. It's sunny. It's, you know, something you want to kind of crush. And that really wouldn't work as well. I don't think in a base that was eight plus. I think this is like the money zone, dude. I think mm-hmm. you, you delivered on this. This is just fascinating. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, think I would. I think I would agree with Thanks that. This is a, like this is a good zone, uh, like for something, like for something as as you're saying, aims to be it aims to be kind of tro- like kind of tropical. It makes you know, it's making you thinking of something uh, like of something kind of crushable and juicy. It doesn't need to, it, like it doesn't need to really punch quite as hard and. But like where we differentiate on that is that my preference tends to aim a little bit higher. I tend to uh, think that on most hazy IPAs, the money zone is somewhere between seven and a half and uh, and like eight point two. Like I'm, I love double IPAs. Um, that like well, that's where my preference tends to lie. However. Uh, and, and it's not really, and it's not from an alcohol perspective. It's more from a body perspective. Uh, like when it comes okay. to, like when it comes to IPAs, I like it. Like I like a bit of a, uh, like kind of a more robust, uh, like body on them. However, um, I'm finding that like, like brewing techniques on that must just like really must just be advancing because some of my favorite breweries doing that are like really, really, really dialing that, like dialing that shit in where, mm-hmm. A six point five percent, like New England, is starting to drink with the body of what a double would have, um, yes. like like maybe two years ago. And even uh, like the doubles are also kind of meeting so, like somewhere in the middle because um, it, like the carbonation is starting to get dialed in a little bit more, where it's got some like kind of a, like a beefier malt bill but it's being balanced out by carbonation which is how hel- which is helping it drink lighter without compromising um like the body which like which i think is just great like so you can have um like really enjoyable sides on both end of it well said 100 percent, totally agree um with on um we brew double ipas we don't we don't do them often um, I absolutely love them. And in my opinion, there are some of our best beers that we've ever done are, are double IPAs. Um, I, yeah, we don't do them often, but when we do, we nail them. They absolutely mm. are big bodied, big, juicy, hazy, just crazy good. Um, I just, I honestly don't, can't even tell you why we don't do them as much as we do. Um, it just, when we do it, it's special, I guess. So like, yeah. it's when we do one, we know where it's going to be, it's, you know, it's going to be bomb mm-hmm. and they, they sell out like crazy and it sells fast. And they, they, especially with our new artwork, like the branding is, is bomb on them. It's just, it's super good. It really it's is. Just 
you know, super cool. It's, it's yeah. great, but I just, I enjoy them. I like them a lot. Um, I, uh, I just, I, I'm not too, I'm not too sure why you don't do them more often. And I hear it all the time. You got to brew more of this stuff. And, and we just, we do it when we can. And it's, it's usually in the fall, to be honest, is when I start to kind of crave them myself. So I'm like, oh, we haven't done this in a while. We gotta, we gotta brew one of these. And, uh, so, uh, usually the fall kind of sometimes in the winter, maybe January kind of thing, we might come up with one, maybe two a year. And, uh, uh, yeah, just, um, they're wicked. It's just, we, we should do them more, but you know, we only have three, three tanks at the brewery. So sometimes it's, uh, production scheduling and, uh, the, the lager beers in the LCBO now here in Ontario. So it's like, Sick. it's, it, yeah, which is great. So that's kind of like throwing a unique, you know, uh, production kind of requirements stuff. We got to start really start planning out those kind of things. So um when when we we get one on the on our brew board we're kind of like what are we going to do i have it written down i just got to find like the right time i guess to do it and then i'm like all right now's the time we're going to do it it's going to be it's going to be wicked so yeah i really enjoy them too while uh while we're talking about high abv beers and anniversary beers um i want to talk about uh last year's um I, I think it was last year's, or like, or it might have been the year before. You'll you'll tell me, I'm sure. But there was one um, in particular that you like a pair of beers in particular that really caught my interest and prompted like prompted me with high interest to like to place an order was uh, waffles, um, which like which oh, I waffles. think was. Uh, which I think, uh, which I think was like a nine percent strong ale, with, uh, like with waffles and maple syrup and one blueberry one. Is that? Uh, uh, am I remembering that right? Yeah, that was fun. Um, that was our last year's anniversary beer. Okay, it was last year. Um, it, it was also like a, a kind of a launch for our new branding as well. Um, oh, okay. Our, our new our new artist was. Um, Find that. We just started working together at that time, and. Uh, She's like, well, what do you want to like be the first one? Well, our anniversary is coming up. We want to do something that is a little bit out of the box than we usually do. Um, you know, uh, you know, pastry beers are super, are still super popular, but they're really bumping at the time. And you know, uh, we do imperial stouts every once in a while. We've done two or three now. Um, excuse me, I, I really enjoy them. I, I love imperial stouts, but I kind of wanted to do something a little different, kind of more in the barley wine kind of territory rather than uh you know the, the stout for the waffles so we just i was like we just want to do waffles and we're just <laughs> we're going to use waffles in the beer use maple maple syrup we went to a a, a local uh in almira we went to almira to get the maple syrup from the you know they <laughs> you know they were fresh from the tree they were processing it like when we were there and i was like hey i'm scott from way baker you know, i called you about <clears> the maple syrup they're like oh yeah here's some right here pour it right in and then you know that kind of thing it was really cool got it fresh and went back and brewed the beer with it and it was it was cool man yeah i wanted to kind of like do something in the pastry realm uh but uh you know have it be you know something kind of cool on its own yeah yeah so we used real yeah. waffles in it too uh, yeah that was cool i i, I, I think did you enjoy uh, them I, Oh, I, I I loved them. I thought I thought they were great, and I think um, 
I think you're maybe right on the money. Uh, like kind of thinking more in the like more in the barley wine realm, um, like than the stout realm. Um, not to say like not to say that uh, like that that hasn't been done in stouts really well. Um, uh, it's what like it's one of those things of I've I've had stouts like that before that have had waffles and maple syrup in them and whatnot and. I just like stouts on their own are all like are already pretty heavy and like and kind of when throwing in those whole ingredients sometimes I find they can get really cloyingly sweet really like really fast and it uh, like it's one of those things of with big stouts when they're like when they're so sweet that they like like that my teeth start to feel like they're rotting as I'm drinking <laughs> them if I, like I find them really hard to enjoy um but for some reason mm-hmm. um like it can some, like something cuts through it a little bit more when uh, like in the like in the barley wine realm and it feel like it, it feels like it can uh, like it can withstand a little bit more of that and that's that like that was my experience with uh, like with waffles i was really really interested in it because strong ales are not something that you see very often anymore they're yeah. very very few and far between that was really popping in maybe mm-hmm. like in maybe like 2014 2015 but like you know 2022 yeah yeah there. that's right <laughs> It was super cool, man. And the beer, it, it tasted great. It was like uh, the branding was cool. It was, she was just kind of getting, you know, trying to establish what our look is going to be too at the time. And yeah, the blueberry was really cool too. And yeah, uh, yeah it was just really cool, man. Yeah. 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 So a strong the, the, yeah, right? So it's like a barley wine, like mm-hmm. you guys were saying. That's really what that is. Yeah. Yeah. We were kind of going for a barley wine kind of thing. Um, it finished at around nine and a half percent. Uh, we were hoping for something around like 10 and a half or so. So like we kind of, uh, the beer finished at nine and a half and it was tasting good. So it was definitely in like the residual sweetness there from that difference definitely added to the the pastry kind of approach to the beer. So it kind of actually worked out really nice where, you know, I didn't want it to be, you know, uh, it didn't, didn't turn out too sweet. And so that was really nice too, kind of how it, how it kind of just landed where it landed and then mm. when it just the flavor was really good um and uh yeah we we you know did like i said our batches are kind of a bit are are big too so like it, you know bars bars were really excited to have it and so it was kind of like you know everybody that got some were like super happy to have it on tap and it, it sold well and and you know, it's a really unique thing and the strong ales and barley wines and those kind of things aren't as popular as they used to be. And uh, putting this unique spin on it kind of was like a fun approach for this beer. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool, man. I love that. uh, I love the approach. I always feel like it's more, it takes more balls to do that type of stuff in Ontario where it's traditionally not as common, maybe. I'm just thinking even coming from Quebec that like, you know, barley wines, they lose their minds over barley wines out there, whereas here it's pretty few and far between, you know, when you can find one. Um, so I think even doing something like sure. that, like the strong ale, that's a, not only that, a strong ale, which is uncommon in and of itself, but then a pastry version is like, it's, uh, I know, it's cool. I appreciate that. And I feel like there's like, you. it seems like the, the theme I'm getting here is that you guys are really hitting these like, niche markets of people you know with the dry hop saison and then these fun like fruited ipas and this dope you know i know they're anniversary beer so they're not year round but uh you know it seems like that 
I imagine that's part of the intentionality behind everything is more like the more unique, the better. And there's definitely certain groups of people that are specifically looking for something like that. And then a bunch of people that will come in for the amber ale and then they'll try that and they'll be like, geez, what, what is this? This is fucking amazing. And you know, you blow some minds along the way. It's, it's a very cool approach, dude. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you saying that because that's 100% where, what we're about for sure is, is um just just doing what we think is is cool and then just putting it out there and then we cast kind of a, a wide net of what we do and uh, you know it you know when the, when the tap room is full and it's bumping you know i look around and i see everybody's drinking different beers and everybody has their own their own approach and preference and their own uh you know philosophies when they're coming in they kind of align with us and we kind of just do yeah, just a wide range of stuff, man. And it's just whatever we kind of like, this is dope. This would be a good idea. Let's put it out there. And then it, it always finds a home. It always finds an audience. We, we never sit on like a batch of beer kind of like forever kind of thing. Cause it, you know, like they always taste great. They always, they always find a, a great place to, to serve. And, and no, it's, it's, it, we just do such a wide range of stuff and, um, it just always kind of works out to be something really cool. And the, the waffles is a good example of, of it kind of like standing on its own and having its own life, I guess. And, and people, people still come in and ask me about that. Uh, I had a guy maybe a month, month and a half ago. You still have any of that waffle one? Like, uh, that, that was just a, a one-off kind of thing for the anniversary. He's like, Oh man, that was so good, man. I really liked it. And so even the, I even had a guy who's, who's, um, uh, last, was last summer. He was, he just recently turned 19 and he, one of his first beers was waffles, which is kind of oh, like, man. no, <laughs> not only to get that's a you, big you, start. That's a big start. Sure. He was, he was <laughs> enjoying it, man. He was like, this beer is so tasty. Like, is this craft beer? I don't even know like what this is. And I was like, yeah, man, well, this is like a more like, you know, this is like a, a good, you know, bold, you know, start, but like, it's, there's, it's such a wide range of things and it can be like, you know, like a light beer or it could be something like this. And so, and he was drinking that all night and loving it. So like, it was, it was really cool to see like such a, you know, wide audience to, to enjoy your beers that you make. It's, it's really rewarding. That's great, man. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of that, then the, would you, you're saying that like, it's basically Cambridge. I imagine that a lot of your, uh, your consumers, your audience are a mix of maybe Cats like us, beer nerds, you know, super familiar. You come in there, very intentional. I know you do fire haze. Give me that lager beer type of thing. And then you probably got the more like neighborhood people that go just because they want to drink something and they go to a neighborhood location that happens to be a craft brewery. Is that relative, somewhat accurate? For sure. Um, like literally anyone and everyone of, of every background, every you know, every age, uh, every, like anything you can think of, everybody comes, comes to the brewery and, and finds a beer they like. And that's 100% our philosophy is like anybody who comes in, you find a beer you like, you, you have a good time at the brewery. That's kind of like our, our focus. And, you know, we're, we're more of a, a taproom focused brewery. So, you know, that's a big part of our philosophy is if, if someone comes in and says, Hey, like, what do you got? I'm here to try your beer. And they don't find something they like at our place. I feel like I've, I don't want to say failed, but I feel like I should, I want to be able to provide something for them that they like when they just, 
they decide to take time out of their busy week to come and have a good time at my place. You know, I, I feel like I would love for them to find something that they do enjoy. And, uh, you know, and, and it kind of aligns with my personal brewing philosophy too, where I kind of feel like brewing, uh, a light beer some week and then double IPA the next. So it's kind of like, I kind of, we cast such a wide net and it's, we get a, a wide audience because of that, which is, which is great. And uh, I love seeing everybody come in and I've seen people who start off with something light and then they're like, Hey, when's that new IPA coming out or whatever, you know, like it's, it's, it's cool seeing people like their, Gross. their pa- personal preferences and palate palettes change too of regular customers. And uh, we've got people who live just down the road and I've seen them kind of like, completely like just 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 want something bigger and bolder and more like you know it's it's really cool to see like uh how everybody uh um, uh, palace change over their craft beer journey as well Hmm. Mm -hmm. that's interesting so that that was okay that's great that i was sort of the vibe you know just chatting that what i'm getting there so one thing that nate and i talk about here a lot is that we think the most underrated thing in craft beer is gateway stuff gateway can be anything there's no rules to it but the idea is that the industry won't grow unless we get more people involved in what we need to be doing we meaning everybody you know the people online being nice to new people and breweries making you know the effort Mm -hmm. to like Hey, oh, you're new to beer? Cool. What do you normally drink? Oh, you drink white wine? Okay, well, maybe try something like this, you know, to, to ease them into it. So uh, would you say that you sort of, would you consider yourself like a gateway brewery in that sense or, or like gateway very friendly and, and, you know, sounds like you're proactively going out of your way to make sure that people have a great experience and can find something that they like? For sure, 100%. Yeah, it's it's super important to me that, you know, if, if somebody's coming in for the first time and wants to experience what, what we're about, um, I do my absolute best to make sure they can find a beer that they do like to drink and enjoy. Say they are coming from the white wine world or, or the wine world, let's say, um, they like white wine. Then, you know, our, we do a, a, a sour, um, a Berliner Weiss. It's called a Dub Weiss, which is a double Berliner Weiss. So it's about, it's a 5%, uh, uh, kind of a tart wheat beer and uh so it's not super sour but it has a lot of white wine and cider kind of vibes to it uh we do offer white wine and, and red red wine sometimes and uh cider at the brewery from a local cidery here just outside of town and so um we do have those options available so if somebody's like i just don't like beer i'll be like cool well we've got we do cocktails and we do this other stuff too and uh you know that's important if, if you don't land on a beer that's cool we, we've offered these these other options um but uh i've seen some people who like cider and like wine kind of gravitate towards our sour beers and uh we don't do them often either but we do some really good fruited sours too which are um we did like a blackberry version a few years ago uh we did a guava which is people still ask me about and probably going to bring back next year. It's, it's super popular here uh, locally is a squava sour. So, um, it, um, yeah, like I've seen kind of people who like more of the, the wine and the spirits kind of thing and the cider kind of lean more towards the sour beers. And so we try to have those around as well for uh, people with uh, those, those tastes and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I definitely see us as like a, it could definitely be like a gateway brewery in a sense where 
um, when you do come in, you do find like something that, you know, you like and can eventually, like I was talking about before, kind of graduate or gradually kind of gradually work towards something, you know, wh whatever you feel like you're comfortable with and stuff. And, and uh, it's super important to me that people find, you know, a beer that they, that they like when they come in. It's a, it's, you know, it's a huge part of like what we do. That's cool. Man. Something that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Something that, uh, and, and like you used the term community hub earlier, which, uh, uh, like, which is something that I found notable with a couple, like with a couple of my local spaces here. And, um, what I found to be particularly important with breweries, uh, that see themselves as community hubs is, is that like, it has to be about more than just the deliberate beer drinker or the like or, or the beer nerd it's a, like it's one of those cases of if uh, like if cri are like are bringing a group of friends to uh, like to one of these places not all of those friends might be beer drinkers and uh, like as long as like and if they can feel comfortable there if they feel like there's something for them there then that really does work to make it a community hub is that you know you don't have to be a beer nerd to have a they like to have a good time there and to have uh, like and to have something that you're going to want to drink there for sure it's 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 super important um you know and and there are there are breweries that have like a a different philosophy and 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 that's great like i feel like people are like we, we do this thing and we focus on these things and 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 that's wicked like i think that's awesome and uh you know i think that you know uh definitely everybody has their own approach and their own their own thing and i think all that is great um so you don't uh have to do anything other than your own vision when you're deciding to run your own brewery and do your own thing um, I, I think that like, uh, f for us and my own personal approach to, to it as well is there, there's definitely like a hospitality component to when you're, when you're running the brewery is like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, where we're located and what, what we're doing is, is, you know, like it's, it's, I think it's important for us to make sure that we have a wide range of stuff and, uh, um, and just offer what you know maybe some other places aren't offering and kind of do you know like i said like if somebody finds something they when they come in they find something they like i feel like i've succeeded and uh and i'm lucky enough that but that aligns with what i also want to make as well so like i also feel like making these beers and i feel like brewing them and perfecting them and making them better and, and always kind of improving on what we're doing and I'm, I'm definitely lucky that, you know, uh, that also aligns with how when people do come in, they, they kind of see that vision as well. And they can see how, um, uh, kind of like how it all just kind of comes together. You know what I mean? For us, it kind of, it definitely works out. And, uh, you know, um, definitely when I'm like searching out breweries and stuff, sometimes I just want to go to like a nice beer garden and have a nice lager. Other times I'm like, is there any like, you know, IPA focused places here? I'll go try like a wide range of IPAs and have like, a good time. And like, there's, there's such a wide range of breweries out there with different philosophies and different approaches and stuff. And it's, I think that's what makes like when you're doing like a beer tour kind of thing, uh, having such a wide range of approaches of, of breweries in a city can can lead to like an overall good day when you're going out and having a good time 
if you're doing like a beer tour of Cambridge, let's say you're hitting up all the breweries around here, like everybody's doing different things and everybody's got their own approach and stuff. And it makes like a good, it just makes a good experience for like a beer tour. So I think, uh, yeah. Um, everybody doing their own thing and doing what they're passionate about is, is definitely what this industry is about. And, uh, you know, and just, just make sure everybody's having a good time is, is a good thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well said. I think that, I, I think that's definitely true. And, uh, like you bring up a good point that, um, with kind of the different range of approaches that there are in a, like in a city like Cambridge, uh, that actually makes for a pretty dope tour because you're going to be seeing something pretty different at each, like at each place you go, um, which is pretty great. I mean, uh, like if you're, cause if someone is going on one of those like city tours and whatnot, and if you hit three or four places in a certain city, and if you see something different at each place you go like that, like that, that presents something pretty well, like pretty well for the city and for the region, I think. Um, I've got an, uh, I've got a, que- a question like uh, kind of similarly related to uh, like to community in the beer scene, but it's a bit uh, it, like, but it's a bit of an offshoot from what we've been talking about. But before I get into that, um, we should probably do a grapefruit tropics now, shouldn't we? If we're going to round out the series oh, we here. Should. Uh, yeah. Bring it Great on. Idea. <laughs> this peach is fantastic. Sweet. And one yeah, thing I'm noticing, I just want to mention was, I think there's a whole lot of hot burn in here, which is my, one of my personal favorite thing in IPAs. And the good thing about hot burn mm-hmm. or greenness is that it keeps that shit fresher for longer. So this doesn't taste for sure. The, it's age. I mean, I know you said it's the freshest of the, excuse me, of the three, but mm-hmm. very, very, like it's fantastic as expected. So I'm excited for the, uh, thanks the grapefruit. There she is. Yeah, thanks a lot. The, yeah, so we did the the tropics first, then grapefruit, then blood orange, then peach. So this would be the oldest of these three fruit ones. Okay, but it's like I said last night. I had one last night as I was cleaning up. I'm like, this is still tasting amazing, man. It's still like, and one thing that was really cool too is that the grapefruit puree added a bit of bitterness to the beer as well. Okay, so mm, makes sense. It's slightly more bitter than the other ones, but like a fruit bitterness and not a like uh hot like bitterness pithy, I guess. like that pithy uh like citrusy bitterness type of thing for sure and yeah, i only it. have an abbey glass left so i poured it into this one you know what i like but that. it's uh that's all right that's all right you make your own rules. you know what I, it, you know what i gotta say what i've noticed from all like from all three of these and including this one which like which is the oldest um like despite their age the uh like the poor color is looking fantastic which oh, yeah. uh, like which says good uh, like good things about your canning like uh you know there's always like, like there's always a chance for oxidation particularly like, like you know like especially when you add some age to it as well but these things uh, seem to be holding up pretty well which is uh, like which says good things for sure we've uh, really we 100% dialed it in for sure we've uh, we have a, a canning machine uh called workhorse uh canning <laughs> they're from uh, BC oh i thought you meant that's what you named your, of... <laughs> i thought you named your machine that <laughs> Oh yeah, you're, <laughs> it That's should cool be the name actually. We yeah. haven't named it yet, but it should be called like you know a name or something. I love. Uh, it. But yeah, the uh, the company's out in BC, and it's kind of like a guy like us, where it's just um, a husband and wife team who make make canning lines and uh, um, super unique uh, approach to canning as well. Like it's very simple, very like simplified. 
Um, no bells and whistles, just straight up putting the beer in the can in a good way. Um, uh, it's really, really, it's a great quality machine. Um, and we've, you know, COVID and that kind of, you know, era was like, definitely had us kind of shift our approach from draft to cans to draft to cans, like a bunch of times throughout all that, of all the stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, I'm like, we need to invest in something a little, uh, a little more, uh, faster than what we had. We had like a, a two head, uh, filler, which treated the beer very well as well. It was a very good quality two head filler that was, um, you know, we were manually seeing the cans like by hand and then fill them and then take them out and seam them and label them by hand. We didn't have a label machine or anything. It was just kind of like we were just ripping that canning machine a bunch of times, like every day, just trying to like get as much beer out as we could during COVID. And we were lucky enough to, to can from, from a keg at that time with that little machine too. So when there was like a, a change that we had to, we couldn't sell draft anymore. We had to like can all our product and stuff. And, and so for that era, we had a, the right machine for the job. And then when things kind of started loosen up a, again, we were like, okay, well, we want to eventually do some LCBO stuff. We do want to eventually like get out there more with the cans and like do more of that kind of thing. And we got a great machine that treats the beer super well. And uh, we've, got like oxygen testing on it and it's super low and like we've just uh, like the shelf life especially for our ipas we we did a, a single hop a simcoe ipa in the fall and uh, like i kept some cans around for that and it's just it's still like from like september or something just holding up so great wow. so like wow yeah it's just for sure so we've we've kind of got some nice like some nice equipment that we've invested in that treats the beer really well that's great, sure. man. Very important stuff. Well, first things first. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Hell yeah. Okay, yeah. so the grapefruit is super subtle in this one. Unless it's going to kick in in a second. We need a refresh. Mm-hmm. For it sure. Like I feel nice like the grapefruit. For sure. I feel like the of the, the four or of the three fruited ones, the grapefruit was the least like punchy of the fruit character yes and okay. uh, i can see that bitterness i was talking about is a little more subdued now but when we first uh, launched the beer it was like it wasn't like aggressive but it was like definitely a more pronounced bitterness was there from like a almost like a the pithy bitterness from like the zest of the skin yes of the grapefruit kind of came through a little more i feel like yeah. if i swish it around my mouth a little bit i'm getting that grapefruit that pithy um that pithy grapefruit vibe but it's it's like it complements the hops and everything else um that's going on as opposed to sort of overwhelming it and i met like you said it seems to be like yeah i feel like it's almost like it's like tougher maybe i'm bullshitting but tougher for like a grapefruit to shine through a nice hazy body with those three big hops like it's a, it's more of a challenge whereas peach is a bit more unique and orange is a bit more, I don't know. Am I, am I reaching? I would say, like, I, I would say you're probably right on that. And it's all like, like grapefruit is also one of those flavors, which is produced pretty commonly by like, like by a lot of hops. So it's, it's it, it, like, it's one of those things that like that tends to come through 
like with a like with a lot of hop forward uh, like dry hopped IPAs, I would find. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I kind of uh, find that this one just kind of complements the hop bill rather than shining through the whole the whole beer. Like mm. the the peach one, for mm. example. Like especially when it was fresh, was just like boom peach like it's just like this peach and then the, the hops are there and then it's a delicious ipa base um the grapefruit was the one that kind of blended in the most with the, the overall beer and mm-hmm. uh, added the, uh, some other elements as well and then just yeah it's it's a nice one for sure yeah it's yeah. like it's a solid great, like man. it's it isn't once again though like being this was the first one of the fruited ones holding up uh this mm-hmm. well you know what is it two two and a half months something like that maybe even a touch more is Mm -hmm. is impressive because i feel like you know typically haze i don't know you got four weeks tops typically for it to be in before it starts really dipping um but this is great dude and once Mm -hmm. again i think there's a bit of that hot burn in there that's that's uh it's the the new england ipa's best friend it's it's so dope that that whatever the hell causes that because i feel like some people I don't know if you know intentionally do that. I feel like it kind of just can happen. I don't know. Sometimes breweries are sort of like, yeah, yeah, we do this to do it. Or sometimes like, I don't know. It's just there. And it's and it's great for sure. Um, yeah, like we did. If I remember right, it was like six or six and a half pounds per barrel of hops. Okay, so it was kind of like on the higher, definitely on the higher end of the range for a, a regular IPA, and. Uh, yeah, it was definitely when we when we first dry hopped it, and then if you we're lucky enough where we can try it right from the tank, and it's like those first few days, it's just like pure hop burn for sure. <laughs> and so we take uh, we take like a, usually we dry hop, and then we after a couple of days we dump the hops out, and then um, uh, we let it let it mellow for a while, and then uh, that mellowing period, you can definitely taste it. I don't do this often, but um, when we were first, I was first starting to get used to how the recipes and all the stuff is working and all our equipment. I would taste it every day or every other day, kind of see how it mellows out and stuff. And so we give it like a certain period of time where we in the, in the, in the tank after dry hopping to let it mellow. And then we move it to the bright tank for packaging and then we, we let it mellow again. And then we, we can it or, or keg it and then we let it mellow again. And then we then we put put it out to to everyone. So it uh, goes through a bit of a almost like a package shock every time you move the beer around. It needs like a bit of time to like mellow out again. Interesting. And so we're we're a little extra care. We're, we take we take some steps to make sure that it doesn't like you know uh, come out too green. I guess because because that that green flavor is is delicious for sure. But it, it can sometimes be like really aggressive and really hoppy in a, in a negative way. Yeah. So I, I, um, that. I prefer mine a little more smooth. So we definitely give it the time to like to mellow out and smooth in tank before we move it on. So I, I think those, those, those steps have kind of that we've kind of developed throughout our own brewing technique and our own brewing approach throughout the the years we've been doing it definitely helps like, helps uh with that smoothness and all that stuff yeah that makes sense that makes sense and i definitely i would agree i feel like like hot burn to be what's the word like 
like sort of where it, because there's, there's obviously too much hot burn is kind of good for longevity, but then it means you can't drink it straight away. Maybe you need to let it sit a week or two before you can really get into it. But it means that a beer brewed in March or April is going to be okay in June, which is for sure. I don't see that That's as a, a great way thing. to think about it. Yeah. The, the funny sure. thing was That's we did a great a, way to, to do it. It, when we first we did no no I'm sorry I'm talking over you we did a collab with Sawdust City in 2018 and they that was before they did Juicin but they hadn't really like dialed in their mm-hmm. haze yet and they hadn't like really gone nuts with the dry hop so we did that beer then they put I've never tasted anything like it to the point where it was still drinkable six months later because of the sheer volume of the the hopper and it kind of got better over time, probably as the malt got sweeter, which is just tends to happen, but the hops kept the whole thing alive. Mm -hmm. So ever since that, that always like, like, okay, kept my eyes you know, they've obviously dialed it in tremendously ever since then. But the, um, yeah, I always sort of watch it. There's, you know, Missorum in Montreal, when they first opened, they were green as fuck. They were crazy. Some people just don't like it at all, but you know, they now have got it down to the point, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's there's probably a sweet spot, I guess, of like how green it can be so it's drinkable, and then uh, you know it still gives it a little more longevity because I just feel like haze is probably obviously my favorite style, but it's the most annoying because if it's not in this like every brewery, every kind of even the beers in each brewery differ differ as far as like well this one is probably best between 2 and 4 weeks but this one with a little more green or hopper and can probably last 2 months and she's pretty sweet. So it's a it's an For interesting sure. thing and then there's palettes like you're saying you're not a huge fan of it. I like some but I've had some that burn like it's like almost like garlic or something like it just burns your tongue. So that's too much. So it's I don't know, it's it's funny. I find the whole thing kind of very really interesting sure. and uh, maybe an inaccurate science or uh, unpredictable science of sorts. Yeah, and I think um, um, I've I've had the idea of releasing one like immediately after dry hopping. So it's like okay. the most aggressive hot burn you could possibly get, <laughs> and I just wanted to like call it like like something with flames, right? But what's funny enough is we just released a beer called Summer Scorcher, where we did an IPA with a, a local bar uh, here in Alora um, called uh, Handsome Devil. And so, oh, which is really funny is that I didn't take that approach at all. It's like a super, super great patio crusher IPA. It's great. But I was thinking of, of releasing like a fire themed one that's just like the most aggressive popper and you got to drink it like today to get the most aggressive like you know (laughs) have its own life and its own thing right and then eventually it'll smooth out to be like something a little you know a little more palatable um but you know i I definitely prefer the smoother and just letting it chill and mellow and doing its own thing and just kind of tasting it it's it's ready now it's good to go and then you you kind of and and each hop every hops have or different types of hops have their own you know their own life too and Mm. different combos can sometimes present a unique thing you didn't anticipate in the tank where you're like okay that was really aggressive like a a good example of for the past couple years has been sabro hops you know that was kind of a new new thing that kind of came out of nowhere and and it has its own unique flavor of coconut and and wood and all these other kind of flavors where you're like whoa like what's this this is kind of a new thing and it turns out it's actually one of my it's my wife's favorite hop too so for our uh, wedding, we got married, um, you know, October, a couple years ago. So um, 
we released our um, a wedding beer where we did which I chose my favorite hops at the time, which were Citra and Amarillo. And uh, she chose Sabro. So we did uh, this unique, you know, beer for our wedding where we uh, released it for our, our wedding was hosted at the brewery. So we had, you know, our fan, friends and family come by and try our wedding beer kind of thing. And then we also released it to the public. So we had our own wedding yeah. beer to like, for everybody to enjoy. And, and Sabro was a, a unique hop for sure that was kind of like, what is this? This is completely unique. Like how do you use this thing and how, what kind of flavors does it provide? So sometimes a unique hop can, can also change like, okay, like my normal routine is a bit, you know, it might need more time or it's ready now kind of thing. So mm. sometimes it just kind of has a life of its own that you need to kind of just let the beer tell you, um, you know, what, uh, what to do. Yeah. Mm. I like that. I let the beer tell you what to do. That's almost the episode name. That's dope. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I'll write that down. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, yeah that's great. I, we have to keep notes as we go because it's hard to remember because you're crushing all these beers. Um, but overall, man, like the, I, I feel like you really. Um, I know once again, like you know, you're you know you've made it clear that these obviously are a, a, you know aren't in the exact state as they were in that you know that peak period but i feel like they're all sitting really well and i feel like i absolutely understand what you're going for here and i didn't know absolutely. what to expect yeah right you feel that right i didn't know what to expect mm -hmm. with fruited ipas like i said haven't seen a lot of them probably couldn't tell you the last time i had one and i feel like they these mm -hmm. were like it was clear that the actual base beer was like very well done and and just like fire haze in and of itself and then it was like I don't know if understated is the word, but you, you, you use the fruit respectfully. Like you, you mm -hmm. didn't like punch it in the face. You made it work with the melody of the hops. And it was, and I feel like mm -hmm. you, you definitely uh, nailed this, bro. This is, this is, and it's like such an, I, I know Thanks. I love Nate and I are both big fans of innovation. We always kind of joke about innovation in beer. Cause some people, not so much now, but people used to get mad about anything fun in beer lactose and mm -hmm. smoothies and pastries waffles, whatever. Mm -hmm. waffles. <laughs> and <laughs> waffles exactly and you guys clearly do a lot of fun stuff yeah. and you know this the, the, this whole uh just attempting something like this hey here's this four pack base beer three variants boom like i don't know that's sick bro like just like like well done on on having the guts to do something like that and just like to it's just super fun and i know like you were saying it's a pain in the ass which i can only imagine but uh bro you pulled it off shit mm -hmm. still slaps a couple months later hell yeah thanks man i really pre i really appreciate you guys saying that is is that like it was definitely bold especially for us with our size too and we've got a very small team and you know trying to do four different ipas at once that that taste great that are that you don't really see out there the fruited ipas is kind of like it's almost died off and i, I remember being popular in like you know, like, um, sculpin and grapefruit sculpin and those mm. kind of, remember that back in the day oh, when they yeah. first came out oh, with yeah. that? And I was oh, like, yeah. it was so good, right? They were killing and I was it. Like, yeah. Yeah, I got, yeah. Like that kind of the fruited IPA kind of thing kind of was around that time and it kind of died off. And I was like, mm. man, what happened to this? This, this used to be so good, right? Let's bring that back in new England style. And then also kind of like just, just super refreshing it a little bit and do it for, our anniversary so people uh, will um come on by and like you know do it all at once kind of thing and do something do like a series at one time and 
And uh, so, yeah, it kind of kind of worked out to be really fun, really fun thing. And the beers are delicious and and still holding up. Yeah, yeah like it's just I'm super happy with how how it worked out. Yeah, that that's a really good point. And, and you just made me think of something, too, like. Like a series of fruited, uh, like of straight up fruited IPAs is not uh, like is not really so uh, like so much a thing. Definitely not a widespread thing. What is much more common, uh, like or at least has been since like 2017 or so, is like you know a series of milkshake IPAs. Like if you t- like you know if you take your milk shark or your uh, um, like or bicycles milkshake IPA series or any other brewery that's done like a milkshake mm-hmm. IPA series or whatnot. Um, that like the same thing just with it, you know, with different fruits and whatnot, but with milkshake IPAs, sure. whereas there's not really as much of a thing, um, to have like a straight up new England or even a West coast, like Sculpin or uh, like, or whatnot, um, like yeah. just with different fruit variants, that's really hasn't been as much of a, uh, it hasn't been as much of a thing, which is kind of uh, like, which is kind of wild to think about. I like to have that only just occur to me just now. It's uh, yeah, th- 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 that's sure. really, really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And milkshake IPAs are delicious, and I I like them a lot. And the fruited versions too. I've 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 tried a few, and I, I like them too. I, I think they're great. Um, we've used lactose in some of our sours sometimes, and those kind of things. And I think sometimes it definitely enhances like the beverage and and what it, what your objectives are and stuff. I think I think it's great. It, it can for um, sure. We. For sure, yeah. We've uh, we've never done a milkshake IPA actually. Now that I think about it, um, and not for any reason. Like I think they're good. I just uh, I haven't really thought about doing doing one. Um, hmm. The uh, maybe we might need to yeah, talk like, about a BAOS collab uh, milkshake IPA with Wade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bring it back. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Twenty seventeen. It yeah, it's. I, I, when the last time <laughs> yeah, either of you have had one, I couldn't even tell you. Like it, maybe this year I might have had yeah. one, maybe, but I don't remember. I feel like it's like yeah. it would stand out now, particularly if it's like a fun variant, like with like a cool fruit combo. Yeah, yeah. Like we've definitely we've definitely yeah. had milkshake sours this year. Milkshake IPA. I don't. I I, I, I couldn't say if I've had one in the year twenty twenty three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like uh, one thing that I like doing too is is throwing back to the classics too, even if it's like uh, something that you think is old school. Like we like I want to do an ESB or something like that so bad, and yes. we just got to find oh, the right man. time to do one. Do it's it, just do like it. you for sure. We just got to like find the right time and like the right yeah. like. I I got to do the brand and like get things going, and then find maybe like the fall or the winter time or what have you like the right season and the right time in our brew schedule and all that kind of stuff. Like I love just kind of like, like I was saying before, each beer kind of has its own life and its own thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. it, it's good for a reason. And like people like it for a reason. And I think it's, I think it's cool to kind of like highlight that. And even if it is like an old school thing or not like, or whatever, it's just kind of like fun to kind of like, like this beer is dope and you, you know, it's good. And it just has its own life and its own story and its own thing to it. And I think uh, these these fruited IPAs are a good example of that, of kind of adding like a new life to something that was popular back in like 2015 or so. So it's kind of like cool to kind of like bring it back to like, hey, remember this? This was cool, you guys. Let's let's do this again. This was fun. 
So <laughs> yeah, yeah. nostalgia's in right now. Yeah. Nostalgia's yeah, everything. that's dope. It's and you know uh, what? Yeah. It's not. It's it's not quite an ESB, but I, like. But on that note, um, I feel Ooh. like we should at least move like move in the direction of that color and uh, and crack <laughs> open our final beer for oh, yeah. tonight. What you? Think? I feel like you're the Segway King tonight, Nate. Really? You have been segwaying <laughs> out of your mind. I love it. Yeah, man. Orion, <laughs> man. This this oh, beer yeah. is very popular for sure. It's so the last time I uh, the, the, yeah, yeah the last time it. I had this beer it was not that, like it was not looking this fire label that it's got like, like that it's got right now the last time I had this one it was one of those ones that was a generic um, like wave maker label with uh, with like a printed uh, <laughs> like thing Did on, it have, like, the mug on it or whatever it was yeah have, yeah like, exactly space? but uh, like but now like dude the label is looking dope right now thanks a lot yeah. um. Look at this copper yeah, gorgeousness yeah. right here. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, like this this beer is really fun, man. It just kind of came of me just craving an amber ale, and I was like, I'm just going to make one. Like, I kind of miss this style, and I kind of just miss this thing. And then we put it out there, and, and everyone's like, man, this beer is so good, man. You just got to, like, keep doing it. And and we, we sell a lot of it. It's it's super good. And uh, I believe that. I'm going to put it in this Belgian glass, actually. Yeah, do it. I like it. And Go so yeah, we've the norms. We've done like this, like um, the rebrand we did about a year ago, and uh, our new artist is absolutely killing it with um, some of our. Uh, I know. Yeah, sorry, just my my headphones. Just, I got one little one mic left. Oh, you don't um, worry about it. Yeah, this 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 beer's this beer's awesome. Can you guys hear me right now? Yeah, you sorry. you sound great. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, sorry. Just my uh, laptop popped up with a note. Um, oh, you're good. Yeah, man, this 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 beer is wicked. It's just super simple. Uh, we we start with like a lower gravity and it finishes super low. Um, low residual sugar, but it still tastes like full. And there's a bit of like a caramel sweetness in there from the, the caramel malts that we use. Um, so it's it's super like it finishes really dry, but still full and still light but still kind of complete in a way. So it's, and we filter it as well. So it's just super, like super crushable. Oh, yeah. So you can just slam them back Clear. kind of thing. And yeah, man. Oof. Yep. Amber for the wing yeah. guys. Cheers. Get Cheers. That Cheers. Well, that's delicious. I feel like, I feel like yeah, Amber's, like you're right. Like ESB though. Like on that note that you mentioned, the ESB is funny. We we've said this a bunch of times on here, but um, it's been very interesting to us that a bunch of breweries who come on would send their ESB as a part of the conversation. Like that's the beer to start the podcast on, and it's always kind of been like, oh really? Like it's happened two, three times, and I feel mm -hmm. like I'm seeing it more and more across, at the very least, Ontario, that breweries are really doing esbs and this is in the vibe and like i remember my mm -hmm. first ever favorite style in like 2011 was an amber ale because it was the first graduation from a lager you get out of the lot you're like yo what is this it's malt it's toffee caramel like it's it's like i don't know to me it's like you mentioned nostalgia bringing it back to 2015 this brings it back to 2011 mm -hmm. for me like it's just such a mm -hmm. i don't know i pr i feel like this 
you know, what it's like, you know, once you get into the hype stuff, everything's boring except the hype stuff. But then once you get past that and you keep cruising, I'm like, oh, just like laggers are exciting again. Like this is super dope and ESBs are super dope to us. So it's, it's very For interesting sure. that I think it's cool that you said that, you know, you have people that are mad at you if this isn't on and like, you know, Amber mm -hmm. Ale seem to have a crowd. That's not the first time I've heard that about an Amber Ale. I find that for sure fascinating. It, yeah, it's very common for sure. Like, like I used people who I might not have even seen before come into the brewery and they're just like, "Hey, you got an amber?" Like, "Yep, we got one <laughs> right in here." You know, this is it. Come on, oh, can I taste it? Oh, yep, that's great. I'll take, I'll take this. Yep. I'll take a six pack. <laughs> or whatever. Like it's it, like I think it's kind of like, a, you know, it is like they, they are delicious and it's kind of like just about kind of like finally, like I was saying before, like the beer you like kind of thing and like the styles that you like to drink. And, um, I, I feel that our approach is a pretty unique one with the Amber Ales. Like it's not very roasty. It's not very heavy. Um, sometimes they could be no, a little light more like, exactly. We designed this beer to be, to be really light where the, the lightness is almost like the highlight of it where there's no, like the caramel is there, it's smooth, it's crisp. It's like definitive on its own, but it's really light, but in a good way where you don't get yeah. any of like, sometimes you get an amber ale and it's like really roasty or especially if it's unfiltered, I find like the, un, like since we filter it, that definitely helps a lot with, with taking those elements kind of out of it. But hmm. Sometimes it can be almost unpleasant where they're either they're really sweet or they're really like roasty or something like that. Kind of, it might, might be a good beer, but it might not be like as like crisp, I guess, where mm -hmm. you can drink this one on a hot day in a patio and it, it doesn't feel like heavy or it doesn't feel like yep. sweat or anything. It's just kind of like a nice definitive crisp, like light amber ale. That's kind of like its own unique thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, that's dope. Yeah, this is super um, tasty. Sorry, Nate. Go yeah, it. it is. No, it's all right. Um, yeah. I'm gonna come back to uh, like to something that I meant, that I had meant to bring up like two beers ago, and and <laughs> you know how it is. The conversation goes where it goes, but that's fine. Gonna uh, gonna just I'm just just force this in, swing it on back. Um, talking about uh, just kind of the focus on community and whatnot, and uh, looking through. I know, you, like I know you do a lot of community events there. Um, and uh, to throw back to 2020 for just a second, um, I know you guys were participants in uh, um, in Black is Beautiful, and uh, I, I, I I know at the time that you uh, you took it one step further even, and I know you had uh, I know you had a fundraising event um, that was done with Loria from uh, for, from All Sauced. Uh, can you tell us a bit about uh, right. uh, like a bit about that event that was? Uh, um, it seemed kind of cool in concept. Uh, and c can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, like we definitely wanted to, um, it's kind of like, what can we do? Right. Like, um, well, didn't like we were planning an Imperial set at the, at the time as well. So it kind of worked out to be like, to kind of have that, uh, portion to be there. And then we were like, what else can we do? Right. And, um the um yeah it was um really i'm really glad that it kind of the way we executed it and what we were able to accomplish with that i think we raised if i remember correctly it was like 1500 dollars 
um, for uh, the Black Lives, Lab, Black Lives Matter uh, movement and uh, um, the various charities that we contributed to. And we did a fundraiser not too long after that, too, for the uh, uh, Nishikandaga, um, uh band up in northern Ontario for um, the uh, for uh, new water systems, new water filtration systems as well. At that time, we raised oh, three thousand mm-hmm. dollars for a fundraiser for that as well, um, if I remember right. And uh, so, yeah, that was a uh, um, we just we kind of got together as a community of saying, like, hey, what can we do to contribute? Um, not only financially, but also like uh, um, our messaging, our um, policies, procedures. It kind of kind of highlighted um, since we are a small team and a small brewery. Like we had to make sure we were clear with our messaging of what we stand for and what you know our policies are and our procedures, and making sure like everybody knows like not just with like with that, but with everything at the with the brewery of like you know, what, what our, what we're about, what our uh, mission statements are and what like our policies and procedures are. If there is anything that were to happen in the space, like people know that we have their back, those kind of things at the time were, um, they were there, um, just maybe not like in right in, in writing and in our, in our mm-hmm. effective messaging to, to our patrons. And it might've been, uh, or it was internally like with staff, but it wasn't like, we weren't really vocal of our, our position of, of our messaging wasn't a hundred percent clear mm-hmm. of like, of those kind of things. And then, so all around that time was, was a great, you know, wake up call for the entire industry to mm-hmm. um, make sure that you are being clear with your messaging and that you aren't going to stand for anything that were to happen in your tap room or at events you're participating in, or uh, cause you know, when you get like, 10,000 people together at a beer festival kind of thing. Like, like, you know, like you never know what's going to happen and you got to make sure that events you're participating in and things that you, that you are relating your brewery to, um, that your messaging is clear and that you, um, are being clear with what you stand for and what your ethics are and what your uh, point of view is. And, uh, at that time, you know, the community kind of, uh, really rallied behind us of, you know, what can we do at that time to make sure that's clear as well as, you know, what can we do to contribute to the community in these ways? And, uh, um, you know, we, we definitely learned a lot at that time about, you know, um, uh, just making sure those things are clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's dope, man. There wasn't uh, a ton of breweries in Canada, or at least, you know, in Ontario, it wasn't so bad. Quebec was like five breweries who did Black is Beautiful, but a bunch did here. So it was really cool to hear like that. I think that the breweries that were drawn to it were definitely the ones that sort of had a, you know, direct, I don't know, like, as I say, correlation, but more just like a, like it felt right to do something like that. And you really wanted to, you know, support mm-hmm. the community that supports you. And, and, you know, give back and make sure that, hey, this is where we stand. We are, you know, we're with you guys. And it's very cool. Um, For sure. And yeah. being a small brewery ourselves, I found that we were unable to do it as quickly as we wanted to as mm. well. If I remember at that time, I remember being like, I really want to do this. But it was, um, it, it was also very, um, it was, um, I feel like we couldn't contribute as fast as we wanted to. 
at that time right. as well. Um, there were uh, financial constraints and other things that were going on at that time in, in our scenario. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we were able to contribute the way we could. And that, look, as long that as is good, do, whatever's it, right for you. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it is good that you found the means to, uh, to do that in a way, like in a way that worked for, uh, like that worked for you and uh, like in your business that still recognized the importance of, uh, uh, like of kind of making like making that commitment to uh, like to your community and to kind of make the make make those values uh kind of publicly displayed uh, like as you were saying it's like you know it, it's important to put those things in words and make uh, like and make those values known um to anyone coming into your business so i i, I think it's sure. good that, that uh, you know even with uh, like and and you know those constraints that you mentioned are true of anyone in the business but uh like you know for like to be able to find the means to kind of do what you can to still recognize the importance of it i think is pretty key 100 percent, and it's it's um uh even s since that time we've we've it, We've always we updated our policies and procedures even further. Um, we've we've done some Good. some training internally. Um, uh, you know, um, work workshops and stuff that we've done internally, and um, uh, you know, we've got our code of conduct on our website at the bottom. You can click the link and you can read everything you feel uh, about, uh, or everything's laid out there. Um, and in our, in our tap room, we have a, um, the code of conduct is clearly displayed on top of the bar. So, you know, if we make sure it's clear that if there are any issues, you're totally free to come to staff and um, the staff has proper training on how to properly address these issues. Say it's not myself or anybody else is there. Like the, this, we have uh, proper uh, procedures and policies in place and all the staff is aware of things, the, the proper steps and our expectations and, 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 uh, like management expectations and staff expectations of like running a safe and um, uh, a community hub. Like we were just talking about, like anybody and everybody yeah. is welcome to come in here and, you know, we don't stand for anything um, that doesn't fit in that fit in that realm. Love that, man. It's really cool. It's I, I'm not sure if you've seen it around, but uh, we have this nonprofit called link up where we've been doing basically similar thing. Mm -hmm. We were inspired by black is beautiful to do that and do these collabs and, and sort of give back to, to the, you know, to the community by educating people to bring people into craft beer. And so to us, it was, we were, cause we were so inspired by that. It was almost, it was great when we saw the breweries that did it and a bunch of really great breweries did. And it's it like yourself and it's so dope, but there was also so many that didn't. So I feel like there's so much work to do in that realm to sort of continue to get people just aware that, Hey man, like craft beer can't grow unless we have everybody involved and all those people need to feel safe mm -hmm. and um, you know, that they're mm -hmm. welcomed in the community. And it's like, even though I don't think anywhere, I, don't, I, I couldn't imagine any brewery isn't welcoming to it, but it just doesn't come across that way. So it's sort of mm -hmm. almost, it, it does require these initiatives to be like specifically, Hey, like this is not just white dudes with beards. This is for everybody. We're all here, you know, whatever, wherever you are, come on in, you know? So it's, it's, it's very 100%. cool. 100%. 100 percent it's, it's very important and um and initiatives like link up and um it, it's really important to to make sure that it's all clear for everyone and uh you know and uh 
you can't control other people's behavior, but you have to make sure you're clear with what you expect in, in your space and, and what you expect when you're participating in other things. And if I was going to another brewery and, and if I don't see like that being a part of their culture and, and what's going on, I, you know, I think it's important to make sure that, you know, everybody knows that like, it's important to make sure that, you know, this messaging is clear across, across the board to, uh, the entire industry needs, and I feel like um, a good portion has really increased their um, messaging to include, to make sure everybody feels welcome and feels included. Mm. I think that that's um, very important with just your entire culture and organization and how you um, approach your messaging and making sure that everybody does feel welcome and feel included is um 100% important. Couldn't agree more, my man. It's uh, it's great. And it's really just great to see. And I feel like it's it's dope when I like seeing that there's sort of breweries, even if everyone sort of like the breweries that we participated, uh, you know, in Black is Beautiful or even Link Up, everyone's sort of scattered everywhere, which is dope. So at the very least, there's someone in almost every kind of brewing region, not maybe every city, but every kind of region that have, you know, that, that gets it and that that can just it's like a brick by brick approach with all this stuff and you know that's what you're doing and once again it's really i think the theme of this conversation tonight was the community hub that really is what it is in 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 all of these different ways whether it's introducing people to beer who are new or welcoming uh people from different backgrounds who typically weren't exposed to beer and just be like hey man we got something for you like it's all good like come in we're you know we'll hook you up well you don't no worries we got wine we got cider it's okay we got cocktails we'll take care of you You have a good time in the place and so you don't have to drink the stuff maybe but maybe one day you for will sure. and, and when you're ready we got you you know it's it's cool man it's really good and and it's uh it's cool to see that vibe and it's really been mm -hmm. it's been really cool I, i'm trying to be conscious of the time because i know we sort of were, we're trying to wrap up about now but um i feel like we got oh, a really okay. great summary of kind of what you got like a like a, a snapshot of what wave maker does as far as you know from from the lager to the saison to the the, the three ipas and now this this amber is fantastic by the way this is yeah, great. really Thanks, good man. man i can see it's why what i'm uh, talking about man it's yeah. the <laughs> You can't sleep on it, man. It's good. It's just really good. It's just yeah. like it's super smooth, easy. It hits like all the light. notes. It hits all the notes, man. It's just like it's a, great. You know, it's a it's a good pint, man. You just can't argue with a good pint for sure. <laughs> can't argue with a good pint. I almost feel like that's another episode. You've been dropping. Yeah, that's another good episode name, maybe. <laughs> I'm just gonna write these all down because. Right. We'll always forget, but um, dude, this is this has been really, really dope. Uh, um, I really appreciate you. It's been really cool to get to know the sort of philosophy behind the brand and like where you guys have come from and what you guys have been doing, and uh, and it's it's great, man. It's it's cool to know. It's it's kind of exciting. I feel like now I'm I'm here in Hamilton now, and I feel like because I'm so close to so many things that I was so far away mm -hmm. from for for a long time. So this summer I'm really trying to get out there and explore. I'd love to come up to definitely if we get out there. And I know Nate Nate's from Burlington, and he comes out mm -hmm. uh, relatively regularly. So like if you know, I feel like I want to definitely come and check out the the brewery. And I haven't been to Cambridge before, really. I don't think so. I'd like to like see what's going on out there i feel like you guys have a real cool scene there's you know uh a lot of really dope stuff happening absolutely yeah and i and i've been I, i've been to your place once before it was in uh, like i think october of 2019 so you like so you were open Pretty about uh, 
uh, yeah, about uh, like about six, seven months at a time uh, uh, at the time. And it, my buddy wow. and I had a great time there. But I like, but I'd love to come by, uh, like, like to to come by soon and uh, and you know, yeah, see man. what you like lately. One hundred percent, man. Message me if you guys are planning on coming. You know, if there's anything we could do, like I'll, I'll be there. I'll show you around. I'll show you the brewery. I'll show you like everything we got going on. Um, I'd love to have you have you guys at the brewery. And, and see, it's so great to to see you in Ontario, man. I know you were out in out in uh, Quebec for so long. So, like, yeah, for sure, man. Like, anything you you guys are heading up my way, send me a message. I'll gladly show you around, um, and we'll sample some beers and stuff, and you know, we'll, we'll have a good time for sure. You're the man, brother. This is this is being yeah, great. We've man. been. It sure has. We and and we've been talking to a, like to a lot of breweries in uh, like in your area recently. So you know we're we're, like, we're racking up a list of places that we uh, like that we need to hit real soon. So yeah. we're, uh, like I, I think I'm we're going to need to be doing a tour out, uh, like out of that region yeah. not too long. I was going to say you need to come down for like a weekend or something. We're going to have to like yeah, wipe, I really wipe the do. calendar I really clean do. And, <laughs> and do it every up. Brewery, yeah, every brewery, every brewery's killing it, man. Yeah. We're all bringing it, man. Like everybody's got some really good beers up here. You know, we, we actually have a, we work with a, a company called Redback Tours and mm-hmm. they actually organize tours from Hamilton. They come Ooh, up to Cambridge, do the Cambridge breweries and then drive back to Hamilton. So Redback like, tours. okay. Redback tours. Yeah. So they do, um, so we, there are some tour companies we work with too, that do like that bus tours that, that tour around to the Cambridge breweries. Cause they, there's so many of us here and. And we're all doing great stuff and it's, and we're all different, like I was saying. So it's mm. cool to like kind of see what's going on in the town and then you don't have to worry about driving and you can just do your thing and enjoy, enjoy I feel like there's a, throughout the day. So. I feel like there's a content collab opportunity there. Yeah. That's fire. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. We've yeah, done 100%, that percent Yeah. They, yeah. That's sick. Great people too. And they've, um, they, we've been working with them for a few years now. So like, yeah, for sure. They've, uh, um, and actually the city of Cambridge is working on like some initiatives for touring, uh, touring around to the Cambridge breweries and like really doing some promotion for the, the local breweries and stuff. Um, old golf. Yeah, I think, shop, I, I think, uh, I think I remember farm league me- like mentioning something about that. That sounded really dope for sure. Yeah. There's, there's been a lot of like people taking initiatives here to, 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 to hop breweries and stuff. And, uh, um, there was a yeah old golf bottle shop did one uh, in the spring or in l- the late winter, early spring. Uh, they were kind of touring all the breweries, and including the, the shop, and kind of having everybody bounce around. That was really fun. Um, the uh, you know, a, a limo company recently approached us about um, kind of doing like this kind of like a luxury limo with like the lights and like the drinks and like the food, mm-hmm. like the music, you know, <laughs> as you're going from like brewery to brewery. And like, so they're going to be doing these tours that go from like breweries to breweries and stuff. So That's like dope. they've done that a couple of times and it's, it's, you know, it's cool, man. People just want to like get out and have a good time and kind of experience the whole culture as a whole. And like, I feel like Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo, everybody has like their own thing and their own vibes. And there's so many like, different things going on here and we always have different events like uh we do we do karaoke once a week or once a month on fridays we do like uh, music bingo every other thursday and 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 trivia we're doing trivia tonight actually so like there's always something going on at our place and then um uh, kind of like there's always kind of things going on at other breweries here in town so it's cool to like kind of experience the whole beer culture we got going on up here it's 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 really fun 
That's great, man. I love those mm-hmm. initiatives. Um, that's super important. Like, you know, just the bus from here, the limo, all these different things that just encourage people to come from out of town and give them an opportunity from, you know, close by hubs to be able to come up and soak it up without having to worry about driving and just check out all the spots. Cause, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. probably good to get everybody to, to, you know, have a snapshot of everything in one hit and then they can keep coming back regularly and maybe spend an afternoon at a place. And it's it really that type of those type of things really set off that beer tourism. And I think this summer people are really ready for it. The last summer, maybe people weren't as comfortable and things were sort of like, uh, what's happening. But now it's like, I feel like this, this year feels like, uh, like people are like, let's, let's, you know, even us, we bought it, we, you know, we moved to this house and our whole last year was like a bit of a mess. So this summer, like uh, my partner and I mm-hmm. are trying to be out here. And if Nate gets out, then we're going to put some time aside and, and go, <laughs> go bonkers. You know, I'm, I'm excited man, just to keep yeah, saying meet, meet all the legends that Nate and I are talking to on the pause. Like you got, man, you've been awesome by the way, bro. Yeah. This has been so great. You've like, really Thanks, really man. uh like laid it out it's great it's, this has been such a lot of fun dude i really appreciate you i know uh we're gonna definitely kind of try and do this at least annually once a year minimum so this is uh oh, for sure yeah i'd love yeah. to i'd love to uh talk to you guys and um my wife and i tour around breweries and stuff and we just we always just kind of meet up in places so if you guys want to meet in hamilton or burlington or something hell yeah i would find if you guys are doing something we'd love to come down man hell yeah and if you guys man. are coming up to the brewery we'd love to have you for sure. Absolutely. Let's definitely uh All let's right, definitely we'll figure it out. touch. Um let's take mm-hmm. the thumbnail. We'll wrap up here, then we yeah. can finish up off air. So do you want to hold up a couple cans? Ooh, what are we gonna oh, do? Oh sure. Someone's gonna have to hold up the tropics. Um, I might go oh, yeah. the, the staples. I've got Orion and Peach. Oh, there you go. Two bangers. All right, right so now. I'll grab two of the tropics and I'll grab lager beer and anomalous. There you go. Look at that. Got everything represented. All right. I know it's always like the hardest part is get them facing the right way. Okay, you ready? Oh, that is sexy. Uh, Scotty, <laughs> where can everybody find Wavemaker online and in real life, my man? Yeah, um, online. We've we do have an online store. We were using Swift Post to ship our stuff, and they've recently wrapped up. Oh no! So we're in between suppliers at the moment for the online stuff. So we've unfortunately turned that off for the next month or two. Um, trying to figure out the right moves there. We were talking with UPS and a few other suppliers of what it will be. And uh, ICS is pretty with, good. If you look yes, at them. And so we were using ICS and um, CANPAR through Swift Post, mm-hmm. but we're, we are talking with Canada Post and a few others. So we're just kind of like, Quoting it out right now, and so we're time. figuring it out. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. It's a, so we're just going to take a take a little while to figure all that out. That's um, the um, but you can come visit us at the brewery. You can find us at your local bottle shop, um, and you can uh, find us on tap at your local restaurants. Um, we, we do get out there um, uh, as far as we can. So yeah, feel free to look for us at your local place. Love it. I love it. Uh, Nathaniel, where can everyone find you online, sir? Uh, so all the socials, it's at Nathan does beer. Um, the blogs, which have not been, uh, which have not been updated recently because I've been Too allocating busy. my Co-hosting. time. I've, I've been prioritizing my time to, uh, to, to oh. co-hosting BAOS podcast. Damn right. Um, you have, you know, need, need to pick and choose where I'm spending my time. Cause I'm a new dad. 
so, but exactly. so this is where I'm giving my time right now, and uh, and you know what, and it's been, like it. it's been worth it because I get to talk to uh, beautiful people like Scotty right here. What a um, champion! But yeah, so um, everywhere on social is that Nathan does beer. Otherwise, you can find me right here on BAOS podcast every week. Looking good, looking sharp, asking the the, the heavy hitting questions, knowing the vibes, right from the gear. You know, Nathaniel knows. So everybody, uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell, Nathaniel. Ding. So you know when the new episodes drop. Uh, we go every Wednesday. The audio goes in the morning. The podcast, the actual video goes in the evening. Uh, lots of content coming up. Nate and I have a big summer. Fantastic people like the very attractive young Scott right there. Uh, guys, check out Wavemaker. Scotty, thank you again for your time. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace. Cheers. Peace.